So here it is, Talking Bollocks Christmas Special, it's part two. Are you excited? Did you like part one? In part two, we've got Andy Pilkington, we've also got Malcolm, yes, he of the dome. So here it is, talking bollocks, and it's, yeah, that's enough, isn't it, really? Hello, welcome back, this is part two. I re- This really will be a minimal jibber-jabber session. Um, well, from me, you are going to have, uh, it's still going to be quite a long um, uh, bollocast because I think we've got um, an hour and a half with Andy Pilkington, which I think you'll enjoy because uh, we get on very well. There's lots of chat going on there about fucking all sorts. And coming up, there's also, there is also 45 to 50 minutes, I can't remember exactly how much, with the legendary Malcolm Dome. And again, there's extra questions that he answers um, for Patreon listeners only, so please do, if you want to come in on the action and all the really cool stuff that's going in, that's going on for Patreon subscribers, it's patreon.com forward slash Howard H. Smith. It will cost you $5 a month or £3.70 in real terms, and uh, basically you get loads of exclusive stuff, really cool stuff, MP3s of Acid Rain Show, that have never been released and still aren't released. You get behind-the-scenes videos, you get extra bollocasts. Um, the Christmas one's going to be about an hour long, so it's really, it is, I think it's worth it, and the people who are doing it I think it's worth it, and I really, really would appreciate any of you signing up. Just a little Christmas present to me. Go on, that'd be nice. Go on, go on, please. Have I been good? Have I been good? Do I deserve it? Have you got £3.70 to spare? Think of what £3.70 will get. Over here, that will get you less I mean, well, actually, that won't even get you a pint of beer in most pubs. Well, certainly not most pubs around where I live anyway. Um, it's, I mean, that's, that, that won't get you a couple of coffees, yeah? If you're at work and you go, oh, you know, I'm going to the coffee shop, and someone goes, oh, yeah, oh, could you get me one? Yeah, I'll get it for you. You have just spent more money than you would give me in a month to get a shitload of exclusive content. So there you go. That's my pitch. I'm not going to kill you. I may as well just get my fucking begging bowl out in a minute. Really. Anyway, that's enough of me. That's enough jibber-jabber. Let's get on with the fucking interview, shall we? This is more just a, a, a Christmas chat. Uh, fucking Mike fell out again. Jesus. Um, Andy and I met... Um, we met in person for the, real t- for the first time uh, just after we played uh, Bloodstock in 2015. And... Um, he, of course, went on to do the artwork for The Man Who Became Himself, and he did the lyric video, and he lives only 10 minutes around the corner from me, but unfortunately, um, well, fortunately for him, he's uh, he's moved away, or he is moving away um, in January, and um, we actually just went for our um, our Christmas final farewell drinks a couple of days ago. Um, I'm really going to miss him. We, uh, we, we, we really do get on. We hold very different views on different subjects, but we can, you know, we can talk about that. And we, you know, with, without raising voices and getting stroppy and letting emotion ruin it, um, uh, and so um, yeah, we just we just kick back and chat here, and um, hope you enjoy it. Um, first part, you might hear sort of slight idiots in the pub behind us, um, but you will find that we actually move to another room and it gets a lot better um, once we get them to turn the jazz off in the background. Um, but it's um, it's a really cool chat. It went for a long time, and um, it'll be a long time before I have Andy on the pub. Well. I won't, I'll get him on the podcast again, but we certainly won't be doing a face-to-face thing for a good long while. So sit back and enjoy. Um, so here I am at the pub with, um, let's just tone that down a bit, I think. Yeah, that's better. Um, 
here I am at the pub with um, Andy Pilkington, um, he of um, Very Metal Arts. Hello, Andy. Hello, how are you? I am very well, how are you? Very we'll good. try and make out like we've just Yeah, we out. haven't been speaking for the last hour. Yeah, yeah, we've actually been in the pub for an hour. Um, so, uh, sorry to not be very rock and roll and pissed out of my head. Um, <laughs> and, the, and neither's Andy. If we've been yes. Yeah, we've been talking, um, we've been talking about uh, the music business, we've been talking about... Um, the nightmare of moving house, which um, Andy's in the middle of at the moment, yes. selling a house. Um, but the reason that made me switch this on because I thought, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to, um, I don't want to miss any more gold. Um, and I'm, I apologise for making you retell it in a spontaneous style, <laughs> like you didn't just say it five minutes ago. But um, so, Chaos AD by Simple Tour. <laughs> um, you have a particular affinity for that album, and um, go on, tell the story about <laughs> about about Kiwos or whatever it's called. Kiwos, Kiwos. It's a crap story when you can't even pronounce the bloody song name. <laughs> their, their acoustic track. Yeah. So um, the one about the uh, the one that was recorded in in South Wales. Yeah. Well, I, I, I guess. We just—I can't remember how we found out, but we found out they were recording there. Yeah, because when you said when you said that, it was like, oh, we found. I was like, how do you find that? I honestly can't remember. My my friend Will seemed to be like one of those lucky people who you take him to a gig and and, and he'll find the plectrum on the floor or he'll catch the drumstick or, or whatever. Yeah, but, yeah. But you're he, talking about me here. That's why. That's, <laughs> that's why. That's exactly what I used to do but as well. I, but somehow, I, I think it was him. He just turned up and he knew that it was happening and I don't know if you'd read it in a magazine I suppose it must have been back then that's the only way you could find out anything but he found out they were recording it so we jumped in his his VW Beetle and, and, and headed off down to South Wales and, and sort of just thought we'd hang out and see if we could see them I think that's the best we hope for really so did you know where the studio was? he did yeah I mean he right. I, I can't even remember the fucking name of it now no I can't remember I can't remember the name of it but that was probably Probably down to the thing I'm about to tell you, <laughs> which is which is the fact that now when we arrived, that we yeah we, we met their manager who um, was just coming out for what we thought was a cigarette. We're sort of hanging around like the excited little kids we were, and we'll talk to anybody who looks like they know the band. And yeah, he proceeded was it to... a magic cigarette? <laughs> it was it was a, it was a special roll-up. Yeah, but was more, it more, a doobie? More, more special than we realised as well. So, marijuana. Yeah, I think that was our, our first experience of a, of a pure roll, um, and obviously with, which is uh, weed only, kids. With a, a Brazilian band with an American manager, I think. Um, yeah, they they had access to slightly more than we did at the age of eighteen in uh, yeah. suburban Cheltenham. <laughs> <laughs> An eighteen-year-old who looked like a twelve-year-old as well. So yeah, so uh, we proceeded to sort of hang out and and, and got got a, a little go on the on the doobie, um, and that was pretty much my memory shot for for a lot of that. Um, so yeah, so the, the recording happened, and, and basically we managed to get our way in and stood at the back where they were recording that track, which is just absolutely so insane. You were actually in the recording studio, in the hall where they recorded because it was it was, oh, it, was in a... it wasn't in a studio. It was in right. in one of their. Uh, yeah, like the, a, the, the old, the, the old church hall. Yeah, the, the old sort of medieval building for the acoustics, I assume. Well, of H- course. How a Brazilian band sort of ends up hearing about some great place in deepest, darkest South Wales. I don't well, know. you know, they have people for that, don't they? Um, 
funnily enough, I'm g- well. I interview Max on Thursday. I don't know, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say that I'm. Uh, I was chatting to a long lost friend of his. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Will and Paul, the two guys I was with, they actually met. I think it was I think it was Paolo at one point who brought that up and he remembered them and he said oh you were the guy who stood at the back yeah oh right cool whether that was true or not I don't know but that's how to make a, a kid very very happy oh that's awesome well I, I if, if I remember which given my memory probably not but if I remember I will um, I will ask Max <laughs> if he remembers that um, well he's going to remember recording it I'm sure pretty unusual you never know it depends on it it seems to have quite clouded um, clouded memories I mean having read his autobiography there's, a, there's definitely some serious partying going on back in those days mind you I think they were pretty pretty fucking serious in the studio I'm not surprised with that quality of weed Jesus Christ yeah. in fact they were so serious in the studio they didn't let Paolo play <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe he played on that album but uh, another, actually an interesting story about Paolo as well later down the line when um, it was when Derek was singing, we, we uh, went to see Sepultura. And it was when I was working for Scuzz TV, and um, I didn't know you'd worked for Scuzz. Yeah, we, we I was part of the team that launched it. Oh really? Yes. Oh really? You mean when there was money behind it? When it was decent. Well, yeah. Basically, what it was, Scuzz launched. I remember the comedy guy who used to be on there, like mm. the comedy heavy metaler. Yeah, it was. Uh, what's, what's his name with the, with the dwarf? Um, what's his name? I can't remember. Mullet man. Mullet man. And yeah. And being a comedian myself, I find most comedians inherently unfunny. And I, he, I, I thought he was great. Mm. I genuinely, genuinely yeah. funny. And I'm surprised I haven't seen him anywhere else. Yeah, it was. I did the did the title sequence for the Mullet Man show. I've no idea what our viewership was, but when we launched Scurs before they sold it off to the, the Ponzi channels, it was great. I mean, it was it was quite a young team. I think there was three of yeah. us, three of us designing three music channels. One of them being Scurs. And I think there were about four or five producers and a few team, a few people sort of behind the scenes running things. Yeah. But we were just deciding what we were going to do. They'd come over for a meeting and they'd have these ideas about what they wanted to go and shoot. And we'd interject and come up with ideas and we'd just go and do it. And we'd just make stuff. And it wasn't just playing music videos. We'd go and film things. So we, we went to, it was at the Underworld, Camden Underworld, and went to, to talk to Sepultura and do a drum workshop with Eagle. Um, so we stood there and, and Sarah, Sarah Harding, who was the, the producer and interviewer at the time, was sort of saying, you know, we just get you to basically break down what you're doing. You go through a track slowly and and sort of show the viewers what you do. He goes, OK, but what do I play? And there's me, fanboy, going, territory! <laughs> Immediately just sort of shouts out. And he goes, OK, so he starts off... And I sort of stood at the back getting a little semi or just watching him break down one of the best drum riffs ever. And it was amazing. So we, we hung around for the show and sort of met them all afterwards and, and had a good chat. But the, 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 the story I was going to tell is they're all really clean living guys at that point. They were just drinking water. Andreas at the back with his little bottles of spring water. Derek's like clean living, muscly gym guy. But we'd been down the pub, the Tottenham down the road, with Paolo all afternoon. And he had six pints of Guinness before he played. Bloody hell. Six pints of Guinness. And when we walked back to it, we went, oh, shit, we've got, we, we got to go. The gig's starting. And we're with Paolo. <laughs> He's like, oh, right, okay. We waddle off back down. And we suddenly look around. We're queuing up just to go to the box office and get our guest passes to get in. And he's with us. I'm like, dude, dude. You're that way. <laughs> You're backstage, and he's like, oh, "Okay." So point him in the right direction and push Brilliant. him off, and he goes back. But so he's he going to queue up with you. Wasn't but he? he was hammered. But when he came on, he was a monster. He was on it, and he sounded good. He did, you know, for whatever he did or didn't record. Yeah. On stage, he was a monster, and he was 
brilliant. Absolutely with it. Though. That was a good show. That is awesome. That yeah, is good awesome. times. That is awesome. Um, well, look, one, I'm speaking to a few people. This is uh, going to be part of a Christmas podcast. Um, and I'm speaking to a few people, Malcolm Dome, Godless from the Metal Podcast, mm-hmm. um, on highlights of the year. Um, obviously, musical, you know, not like, you know, Tottenham winning the FA Cup or something like that. Um, <laughs> that wouldn't be my highlight. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> is it anyone's? Um, but, um, yeah, I, I, I don't say highlights of the year. It could be anything, do you know what I mean? It could be, it could be like, you know, within music, it could, be, it could be a new story, it could be people, you know, coming back, bands reforming. I mean, let's face it, everyone's very excited um, to hear the new Living, Living Colour album. <laughs> a tricky one. Um, you know, or, uh, you know, obviously... Galactic Cowboys reforming is uh, yeah. it's very exciting yeah, yeah. for five people in Seattle. <laughs> Do you know what I think? I think for me, it's it's, it's not particularly. Uh... By the way, I've sort of semi sprung someone on him as well because I want to get a genuine. For me, acid rain hats. Which gig? <laughs> well, I wasn't. No, I didn't see this. Oh no, I did. Underworld. Yeah, that, yeah, that was brilliant. Yeah, actually. No, no. yeah watching you nearly die, jump, jumping <laughs> off, jumping off the. Uh, the mixing desk roof was then that's not a highlight surviving it was a highlight yes. we were all worried you were going to die I know because if you look if you watch the video of that there's everybody is the, the stage is rammed full of people <laughs> awaiting my death <laughs> when you actually hear someone on the mic on stage Paul, one of your band members actually saying don't, don't do it man in a squeaky don't, do it, man. don't. <laughs> pleading voice yeah actually that yeah. was a brilliant gig yeah that was oh, very good I was mad but it wasn't my favourite because I knew I had to go on stage for Mick and I don't like going on stage so of course that was good I think it's, it's, it's a fairly dull answer but it's bloodstock for me I think every right. year that's always my highlight and it's because I don't think it's dull at all because I, just, I don't I don't really go out much don't do gigs much family thing you know I've done my, my gigs in my time but when I go to Bloodstock it's a, it's a mix of an amazing event but I also get to see all the people I don't see so the gigs I miss all those band members are either there playing or they're there watching yeah. and, and you kind of just get to catch up and, and just see really great things happen and I think the fact that it's doing so well as a festival now I think you know that buzz is growing year on year and, and it's, it's just it's a very special place it's, it's a weird one I mean um, I went um, when we played there I don't know if you know we, we, we played Bloodstock um, uh, 2016 <laughs> I think you mentioned yeah, yeah, yeah smashed yeah. it um, should have been there yeah. oh hang on you, you were, were. <laughs> yeah, yeah in fact it's the first time we ever met yeah it was. Was, um, was in the bar afterwards it was yeah when I, I'd come out to try and, and you expend looked, some you had a reputation of being slightly grumpy and you looked like a very very excited child oh, that I was the buzz hang on hang on that reputation of being slightly grumpy that was that reputation that reputation was with you <laughs> yeah and that, that, that wasn't a reputation that you heard from other people alright all right, grumpy's in the our, our, I don't our say that because I know you now I tell you what you, you don't suffer fools gladly put it that way <laughs> and people know that you I don't. don't really I mean I, I, I try not to be rude to anyone. no you're not rude I'm exactly the same though but you don't I think you, you speak your mind you're not someone yeah. who's going to sort of just put up with someone coming and talking nonsense yeah do you know it's, 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 it's kind of weird hearing that back at me because I think I kind of think that doesn't sound like me and then, and then I think you know where this interview is taking place in my podcast and that, that is pretty much all it is. <laughs> but, I also, but that's why we, you and I get on, I think, is because 
basically, we, you know, for, for anyone who, who doesn't know either of us, we kind of, we're both very opinionated, and we don't really agree on lots of the obvious things. I think, mm, mm. more personally we do, we understand, you know, ethos-wise we do, Yeah. but I think we just like to have a conversation with someone who doesn't row, Yes. But can put the opposite yeah, side across. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And, and oh. it's kind of an enjoyable conversation to, to yeah. hear someone put an eloquent point of view across. And I think that's kind of where you come from. You, you, you don't, you don't accept what people say. You'll, you'll say what you think in return. And yeah. I'm exactly the same. Well, I think, uh, and and you're absolutely right there. There's the value of being able to have a um, a discussion with people where you don't agree. That that stays the whole way through a discussion yeah yeah because it's not Facebook nothing that where, where with, by the third oh comment God. it's you know yeah. you're a cunt yeah 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 and um, or mentioning Hitler which is usually the yeah 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 someone yeah. brings that into it yeah or as I've always said go onto YouTube go down the comments and sooner or later somebody's blaming everything on the blacks <laughs> um, um, except the n-word um, which I obviously would never use um, but um, no that, that's a fair point that's really, it's really weird I kind of I don't know I don't odd but anyway I, uh, tangent for tangent but yeah that night you, were, tangent you was, were ridiculously excited I was, ridiculously I was fairly excited. tipsy and yeah I came and, over and said hi I know I know I, and I, um, as usual I, I sometimes as well I just tend to sort of say whatever I'll kind of I've become quite adept at uh, recovering from from bad situations through having through well being a comic you kind of you have free licenses to say what you want mm. but you're on stage and it's semi it's semi unreal so if you do say something really outrageous or offensive you get to backtrack and you get to work it and people will laugh but the weird thing is I've been doing it so long now that sometimes you will just I'll, I'll, I'll blurt something out and it's either the wrong thing to say or it's just it, or it's clearly gone the wrong way and you know I'm, so I'm quite adept at kind of reeling mm. that comment back in and explaining yeah. myself and, and getting away with it I think virtually one of the first things I said to you was we're the same height for some reason <laughs> right. I thought I Andy Pilkington that, yeah. was really was a really big bloke <laughs> <laughs> and think about it now it's like yeah. just, uh, that, that was the first thing you said really Howard really that could have gone horribly wrong <laughs> but that's kind of really nice good. in a way you know cause it's like you know you actually hadn't had a thought <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wasn't just like who the fuck are you <laughs> but um, well, the point I was actually trying to get to was some friends of mine came from Scotland to Bloodstock because we were on, obviously, but um, but no, you know, for the fest, they, you know, and they they'd got fucked off with download. Hmm. They got fucked off with the uh, when's the next band on? Yeah, uh, an hour and a half. Best set off now. Yeah, um, and and the whole commerciality and everything that 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 download is. I'm not I'm not slagging download off because ultimately like to play there but no um, uh, it, it is what it is yeah. I mean you can't you can't say it isn't no you know, but it's it different can, it it's different to what it was completely different uh, but, but it, because it's come from such an authentic and such an important place I think that's why it's so different it's if just, it was always like that if yeah, it was a just, Reading festival yeah, it would be different it's just geography Reading, Reading and Leeds I mean what do you mean Reading and Leeds it was just Reading they've mm. just managed to tack Leeds on there to make some more money and Reading and Leeds are commercial but even Download was good in the early days you know when it, when it came back and it was Download it was 
it was big then. I, I don't know. I, I, it's not it's not my thing now, but yeah, it has a place definitely. I mean, it, yeah, still sells enough tickets. So yeah, well, absolutely, absolutely. But friends from Scotland came down, um, and um, uh, uh, two Scottish girls and one with her her fella and. Um, uh, girl I know so it was on, they were together but obviously she's like a woman on her own as it were mm. and um, and she said uh, I, I saw him on the Saturday and she, and she came up and she said I'm just having the best time she said this has totally totally reaffirmed my um, my love of festivals yeah. again and she's yeah. like she said you know what I'm, I'm it's just there just seems to be a nice kind of person here said you know she said, I, I'd go wandering around this festival on my own no problem she goes I would not do that at Download yeah. um, and she said we've made loads of friends she goes we've been going to Download for the last 10 years never made any friends mm. and she said we've been here we've only been here two days yeah you've been stood in the queue and you've, yeah, made, you've made, made people friends. you were going to go on a holiday with yeah yeah, yeah. And, it's um, absolutely true and they went again last year despite mm. the fact we weren't on um, but um, uh, you're uh, not yeah, evil uh, scarecrow. Come on. No, yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Um, Housebound. Um, but it was really, you know, it, 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 I, I was kind of taken aback, and and it was my first proper experience of, of Bloodstock as well, because when I guested there with Reanimator, um, it was kind of pretty much in and out. Um, mm. And I was driving as well. But the thing is, it's, it's really new for me as well, because having a family and. Um, sort of going through transitions in life. I took time out from festivals. It wasn't one gigs as well. Because I was working in the music industry, I kind of fell out of love with the the social side of, uh, of gigs. And having gone to download, um, well, Monsters of Rock and, and download for so many years and seeing that change, I just stopped. I mean, Bloodstock just wasn't for me. I always thought Bloodstock was, you know, death metal or black metal or whatever. It just sounded that way. And yeah. I never really followed it. When I first started realising what it was, it was at the time I just wasn't doing festivals. And then I started working, doing some, some artwork for it and some video work and got more involved and got to know people who were involved and managed a band who got to play. And just thought, what the fuck have I been missing for so long? First time I went there, I was literally, you know, just smacked in the face by how unique it was, just how different it was. It's, it's, it feels small and friendly, it feels welcoming, it feels well-organised and contained but it's just got this it's the right this personality size, but it's the right size yeah, yeah uh, that's I mean the fact that Mastodon could finish um, their set at 10 to 10 mm. and we'd start at 10 and uh, you know where there we are on the second stage yeah. and it's round because it's just a short walk away yeah. But, but you, know? you know, to add to that, you know, you, you, a great band will, will finish on the main stage and you'll walk away and, and you'll take ten paces and you're next to the Jägermeister stage where there's some yeah. great band who's just playing a, a, their, their little set outdoors on this tiny stage you can barely fit in. Yeah, and usually when you and walk past these tents you can't actually see the band. Man, it's just fucking insane. And, yeah. and that's become, for me, and I think for a lot of people, it's become like a hub of where to go now. You're going to find your next favourite band there. And you'll find a prog band like Twisted Illusion, or you'll find Attica Rage, you know, great up in Scotland. Or you, you just find this this whole mix of styles. They'll put death metal bands on there. They'll put rock. They'll put you know the more punky stuff on, and it's amazing. And then you leave that, and you go off to Sophie, and you'll see something inside like you guys, or any number of of, of the the best of emerging talents. And then you fuck off to the New Blood stage, and you'll just see 
how ashamed most music should be the fact that these tiny little bands yeah are just putting most big bands to shame and I mean it, I don't think yeah. any festival really does it in the same way it's not just the vibe it's, it's well, what it's they the, do as well it's the bands they put well, on well it's the metal to the masses thing as well isn't it it's like it, it's, it's plugged into the underground yeah um it's not even plugged into it now it's driving it and that's the difference I think it, it started off plugging into the talent we've had but now it's it's getting behind it which is the difference I mean that's something I did I sponsored three events last year you know, to give away prizes of free lyric videos or artwork um, and did, did that, that's how I was at the underworld to see you but I think when, when an event like Bloodstock gets behind the music scene and, and pushes it and creates it so every year those bands are looking at or waiting for those opportunities to play, yeah, that's when it starts making its mark. It's not. It's not just providing. It's yeah. generating. You know, it's starting to to propel the scene in a certain direction, and that's a fucking amazing thing. And I don't think that happens anywhere else. I don't think any other event's ever done that. You know, look back at history. At you know, Download was Monsters of Rock, but what Bloodstock are doing to the masses, I don't think we've ever had in music before. I really don't. You know. And yeah, not plugged into a major festival. No, no, I'm not given those opportunities where you've got three. They full days of unsigned and emerging talent all playing, you know, yeah. just given the same opportunities, the same equipment, the same crowd a lot of the time as, as the big bands. I think it's, it's completely unique. Yeah. And I think, you know, a band that comes out of, of playing the New Blood stage at Bloodstock has a taste of what it's like to be a big band. And I don't think you'll ever get that anywhere else. And I think that can change the future of the band, you know? I think you, you come out of that and you. You're driven into doing something different, and you see it happen. You see bands then go on to play the Sophie stage, and like Evil Scarecrow, love love more hate them because obviously they have got a, a, an unusual edge to them. The fact that they can play on the main stage and have ten thousand people at eleven o'clock in the morning, yeah, dan- dancing, yeah, left and right, like no yeah. one else. You know, more people than moving the Megadeth technically, because no one was moving for Megadeth. As much well, as they were good, they were great. Well, yeah, but they weren't moving. Megadeth don't mind. Don't move. I'm not going to fucking move. But you know, if if a band can do that, and you can see that that path where you go from new to to, to Sophie oh, yeah. to to main stage, yeah, it's an amazing well, thing. And I think overall, that that's that's what Bloodstock does for everybody, whether you're a band or a or a fan or even people who work there. Well, it's funny you should say that because even as a, a as a comedian. Um, I remember one particular venue. I remember going and doing an open spot there. And, um, God, where was it? Just outside Southampton. I can't remember the kind of the area. Um, but I used to, um, I used to play, play there probably about once a year. And I started out doing an open spot. And then, uh, and then I progressed to a middle spot. And then I progressed to opening. Yeah. And then I progressed to, Headlining, mm. and it was it, it was just it was an awesome feeling to turn up at that gig and think I'm 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 closing this. Mm. But being able to remember when, funnily enough, the comedy night used to be it was a theatre, but the comedy night used to take place in the bar. Yeah, and then it got so popular they moved it into the main theatre, and then and and it was in the main theatre when I came back to close, and it was just like. Wow, it's not often that you get you get these like really vivid markers that go, whoa! They literally yeah. make, they literally make you smell the roses. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean yeah. They stop you in your tracks and go, just take a breath. Yeah, you're actually breath. aware at the time. Yes, yeah, that you're in the moment. Happening, yeah. As opposed to looking back on it and go, oh, hang on. But that's a really nice way of describing Bloodstock and those kind of events. Is you kind of during that weekend, you are aware that you're 
experiencing something special. And I think that's the difference. I think it's very easy to look back at things and think they were great. And that doesn't, you know, devalue them in any way. But if you yeah. can really appreciate something while you're doing it, I think that's... that's Absolutely. It's very special. Absolutely. Um, by the way, um, for those of you listening, um, sorry about the um, uh, thing. Oh, no, no. In the background, um, God bless her. You know, that's what happens when you drink on an empty head. Yes. Um, but um, so any, any particular um, uh, album highlights or anything like that this year? Well, we've discussed it. Mm, we have. And, yeah, I think my, my album highlight... Well, no, actually, my true album. Well, no, you can my true, my true, my true highlights. The, my my, the, my biggest album. <laughs> How long you got? No, my, I think... All night. I think the biggest impact that anything's had on me for a long time is Gojira and Magma. Oh, of course. Yeah. Um, that was last year. But, but, but it's, it's, about, it's something very new for me, though, because... I, I didn't really listen to them early on. My friends played them for me, and I thought, like, "Yeah, this is cool." And I, but I didn't, I didn't click in. I just didn't, for whatever reason, I didn't click in. And then when I heard Magma, I just immediately smitten. And that's been my, my year has basically been about a sort of rapid development in learning about Gajira and the back right. catalogue, and, and especially the new album. But recently, the Von Hertz brothers, <laughs> who for. For the benefit of the record, I tried to explain to, to H, and he didn't get it. You did, but, you did. No, no, no. You did, you, you, did, you, no, didn't, you didn't try it. to explain. I did explain. You explained. But you, and then, but you and then didn't I played feel it. Them, then yeah. I played their music and went, don't know what he's fucking talking about. Um, <laughs> no, but it sounds like bog standard Krautrock. <laughs> Finish, thank you very much. Finish? Finish. I didn't realise, I thought there was Does German. that change it? <laughs> uh, I don't know, do you know what? I'm so lazy. That's. I mean, I am. I, it's, I, I don't know... If I, if I was a kid now going to school, I would either be classified as dyslexic or having ADD or ADHD or all three. Um, and um, I, yeah, I, I, just, I just see the von. Yeah. And that's it. That, my brain just goes, oh, German. <laughs> there you go, Howard. Well done. You've done your homework. You've seen the three-letter word in the, uh, you know, in, in, in the name of the band. Yeah, German, isn't it? Um, but then so, I, but I think the whole... Typical th- lack of fucking, uh, you know, homework on my part. Well, I think music's what it is. You, you, you react in the way you react. But, but even so, I did, I, did, I did listen. At least you did. And I really did not hear... A single thing that you were talking about, um, but so so. Well, for me, this year's been about it's probably starting with this year. It's been like, a, you know, a cliche, but a, a year of discovery because I've kind of moved away from my normal thrash, death metally kind of preferences. Like I'll listen to something, then back to Anthrax, you know, just listen to that sixteen hundred yes. times. Absolutely. Um, and I've I've really looked at other stuff, and it's mostly through the clients I work with, and I've had a few prog bands it's kind of a wider conversation I don't know what prog is I just know that a lot of my clients are prog well there's there's there is there's prog Marillion Genesis which is what yeah that's what I would have always said and and that's why I think Pink Floyd but then people turn around and say well Tool are prog now and plenty of people have said that the um, the Book of Souls Mm. I made that that is um, very prog. At which point I'm entirely lost at what the fuck they're talking about. Well, I think I think what it is is basically if you strain to the territory of a ten minute song, then people start saying you're proggy. Mm. I genuinely think now it's got to a case where 
people who have long songs are considered to be prog. So it should be interesting when we all get to hear the new Machine Head album because a little bird tells me there's some yeah. some long old songs on that. Um, but I think it's I, uh, yeah. I think well, the, the conclusion there's, there's, there's prog and there's falling asleep on the job. Yeah. Right. You know, which for me. Tool did on their last album, um, which was like, look, that's great. I'm really, I'm really pleased you're enjoying playing that groove. But for fuck's sake, it's been five minutes now. Yeah. You know well, that, that's exactly what I got. But then, you know, I mentioned them earlier, Twisted Illusion, a, a band I really shouldn't like, but they're a young band and they're they're almost kind of pop rock. But they they great musicians, really creative, high screechy vocals, which I wouldn't normally like. But just really engaging stuff, and because they tell me they're prog, that means they're prog. It doesn't make any sense to me because it doesn't relate to anything I know about prog. They don't sound prog. But but that's what that's what it is. In t- pop t- rock with screechy vocals. Yeah. But but their songs are really long. Well, the, oh, the, right. The, okay. la- the latest there you go. The latest oh, album. They've go. got a twenty-eight minute song. Well, there you go. Well, there you go. So, I'm, I'm, but so I'm, I, my conclusion so is, I, I actually put a. Order, order. <laughs> um, uh, judge, I put it to you, Your Honour, that, um, yeah, prog is just basically, if you've got long songs, you are you, you are now prog. And that's it. Well, that, that's kind of the best I could get, to be honest. So, right, we're going we're gonna to make a move into the other room. So I'll just pause this. So we've, um, we've moved... Um, We've moved into, uh, the, funnily enough, the part of the pub where um, I last interviewed you. Away from the crazies. Yeah, away from the crazies. We couldn't do any more of those annoying people in the background. So um, so here we are. Um, and um, so one thing I was going to say to you, actually. We've done half an hour already. Jesus. I know, it's just frightening, isn't it? It's like, it must be prog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a prog interview, yeah. <laughs> um... Uh, so what I was going to say to you was, um, I got the, rem- uh, the remaster of Master of Puppets today. Yes. Have you got yours? I haven't, but I've heard from our mutual friend, Mr. Godwin, Simon Godwin. Oh, right. Do you, when, you say you've, when, you've, when you say you've heard from him, do you mean you've been needlessly tagged in a Facebook yes, post? Yes, yes. Is, uh, ah, I'm not a reviewer, but... I wasn't tagged in it. Oh, really? Well, I always remove the tag immediately. <laughs> And I've been doing that for about 18 months, and I reckon I reckon years. he might have noticed. I think there's a chance. Or maybe it's your comments on Metallica. Um, no. But he, but he did say um, um, it sounded fantastic. I mean, I've not even thought about buying it because I've got the direct metal master double gatefold vinyl from back when and just assumed we all, we all it was the same that. thing. Yeah. But... Um, He's saying it sounds better, so that, uh, that makes me want to hear it because I mean, I ha- Master Puppets is just incredible. Well, I was talk- I was talking to Paul um, Astrobray guitarist today, and he was saying he thought he thought it was great, and um, I think I, I think that um, that meant I ended up with um, raised expectations, which is always dangerous. So um, yeah, I had uh, so I've listened to it, and it, it's clearer. There's a clarity to it. Um, and you can definitely hear um, Cliff better, and um, uh, and it's it's cleaned that guitar sound up because it's actually whenever you go back and listen to Master of Puppets, I always for me I always I'm always I'm always um, amazed by how almost muddy the guitar sound is. Mm. 
It's not. It's not a a clean sort of thrash guitar no, sound. You, you get used to it because of uh, for the the legacy of it. You associate it with a. a, a an intentional sound I think and, and that's just what you accept from it I think it's only when you when you hear something that's slightly different that you realise it could have been improved I mean yeah. to me it's, it's kind cheers. of cheers cheers it's the perfect album so yeah. someone telling me it's even one or two percent clearer better different makes yeah. me want to hear it because well, it's, now, it's one of the most important well, the most important album to me I think right I, I mean I'm I am torn I am torn because as much as I, I agree, and uh, you know, is it my most important album? Is it my favourite album? Is is that is that the touchstone, the go-to? It's then I have to go. Well, Rain in Blood is a fucking masterpiece and shaped the musical landscape as much as Master of Puppets mm. in different ways. Yes, yeah, and I agree with that. And and also the thing about the thing about uh, again this this is all ethereal stuff it doesn't really you don't hear it mm. but um, nobody fucking expected that from Slayer no I mean plenty of people you know we were all hanging on Master of Puppets coming out mass, massive pre it was going everyone, in that direction wasn't it yeah yeah everyone was expecting I think the production was you know, different this but, is going to yeah. be this is going to be mm. well as a friend of mine described it because he got the Shades copy so he got it from Shades and yeah. he had it shipped early and um, so we were talking about it at school and he went um, it, it, it starts with um, uh, starts with acoustic intro um, like five five with fire but better and then the stock comes in it's fucking awesome battery it's brilliant then it's uh, Master Puppets which is a really good sort of medium pacer got some awesome bits in it um, then there's then there's the Fate to Black Welcome Home and, all, and we were all just getting excited about it do you know what I mean yeah, yeah. and um, uh, and he got it a few days early but Rain and Blood it was like I mean you play Hello Wakes to somebody not knowing of and never heard Slayer you play Hello Wakes to somebody yeah. And go, yeah. And eighteen months later, they did this. You do. You know, like, I think what, what, what I missed out on there was I didn't. I didn't have that frame of reference because I hadn't really heard Slayer before that. Right. So I think sort of working back, you just once you hear that and you, you buy the back and you think, what the fuck's this? It's amazing because the songs are catchier. You know, it's, it's there's really catchy songs in their early albums. But it's completely different. You just look at the inlay sleeves, at the, the way they looked, and you think, yeah, something happened. They just like they decided they were going to change. Well, what happened was Rick Rubin. What happened? I mean, it's, it's well, for it's, their look as well. N- well, not the look, no. But um, they pretty much dumped, dumped they dumped the eyeliner by Halloween. <laughs> that's only that's show no mercy. I sound like a slayer. They, they were, I sound like a Slayer apologist now, don't I? <laughs> I was like, yeah, and the Nazi stuff was a laugh. Come on, <laughs> but they, they were heavy. Who's not told a Hitler joke? You humorless <laughs> cunt. They were a heavy um, Judas Priest, weren't they? You know, well, that, yeah, that's where yeah, they were. Yeah, absolutely. And they were but, fucking brilliant. But I mean, I, I love Halloween. Oh, I, fucking, I mean, it, yeah. it's, it's crying out for a half decent production, but I love it. Um, but from from a sound point of view, it was Rick Rubin that that actually that actually went actually you know stop drowning everything in reverb and they, and Dave Dave Lombardo you know I'm, I'm paraphrasing Dave Lombardo saying the you know 
Brett Rubin did as much as anybody to to find the Slayer sound, to refine the yeah. sound. And not only that, and I'm sure I've told this on the podcast before, I I, I bought it on import because it wasn't available over there. I mean, they did a sellout UK tour back in those days. They did a sellout UK tour of an album you could not buy in the fucking shops <laughs> apart from on import in specialist record shops mm. people listening to this yeah. who don't who, who like you know who weren't around put, yeah exactly who know it's how crazy. easy it is to get music now must yeah. be like fucking hell do you yeah. know what I mean yeah. it's like you know what you know did you go to the, did you go to a well this to the get thing. your water my, as well my, my memory and it's my best memory but my memory of, of those days is we, we head into town Mm-hmm. Two, either two or three of us all into metal yeah. we'd head to Badlands in Chatham which is a record shop oh, and and we'd, 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 get well. off, we'd get off we'd get off the bus and we'd you know, wander in just count our money see what we had to spend and then as we got closer we'd start speeding up and then we would overtake and then be, just as we got close to the door people would start sprinting and racing yeah. we'd fight in yeah, yeah. because we knew once we got in there you'd only find one fucking copy yeah, of absolutely. the album you wanted and you didn't know what you wanted so you'd have to fight to get in there you'd have to rifle through and yeah. you would judge it on the cover or hopefully on the, the, the name you knew Yeah. but if you managed to get there first the chances are there wasn't going to be a second copy in there absolutely so you wouldn't yeah. you'd have to well, wait I, in a few weeks I, I remember I remember going to Leeds with Gaz um, our original guitarist and cathedral founder and um we we went to Virgin Records in Leeds was the big one. Yeah. Um, and fair play, you know, Virgin knew what they were fucking doing. Um, and they had I don't know if it was a metal import section. I think it was actually. And they they obviously knew what was going on with this thrash thing. And I remember me and Gaz went, and I beat him to uh, Eternal Devastation mm. by Destruction. I got there just before when I got there I was like get him you know tornado with lots of hair come on <laughs> what's not to like and um, uh, and then you know 20, 28 years later or whatever I'm fucking interviewing him um, so uh, then he and he got um, crossover by DRI amazing and, and I mean we, we I don't know how many trips we did They've kind of all blurred into one now, really. I think. Yeah. I don't know how many trips we did into Leeds, but a lot. Um, because because we, we couldn't even get this shit in the town we lived. You know. So how to, far did you, you used know, to have to travel for that kind of shit? Then? Um, well, it was just forty-five minutes on the train. Um, I mean, you know, I just drive it now in twenty-five minutes. Mm. But yeah, so it'd be forty-five minutes on the, on the old bone shaker train. Yeah. So get on at Harrogate, and then it'd be panel, and then it'd be Horsforth. And it's then good to be horse then. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> get on the horse. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or horse. Um, yeah. Um, how times have changed. Um, and and you know, just basically going through, you know. But for County Arkansas, yeah. just going through all the little things, and funnily enough, the train that train line is still there. It's still a bone shaker. Amazing. I haven't been in on it for years, um, but that was our connection to Leeds. So anything we wanted to do in Leeds, we had to take that train. Yeah. So that's what we did. We take that train all the way in, um, and and actually, I, do you know what? I, I just go back to the Slayer thing. Um, so I, I got, got it on import. It was so loud that it made the stylus jump because it was cut so loud um, and it made the stylus jump and 
it, it, you know, it wasn't. It wasn't. I'm trying to remember because I had my was, vinyl. It wasn't there was scratches or and the vinyl wasn't faulty. It was so loud. So when I played Rain and Blood, I used to have to put a two p on. <laughs> on the was the group. The, the spiral was so loose man. because it was such a short album. <laughs> it was yeah. like a, it's like a seven inch single. Single was, spread was, over twelve inches. It was mad. I went through. I I I and then I bought two copies in the end because the first one became unplayable. Yeah. And then I was onto the t- I was onto the two p trick by then. So I was able to make the second one last. So I hardly um, ever listened to my vinyl because. It was rare we come to my house. We had a group of friends, metal of friends, who we go to, and we go to my friend Paul's house, and he had it on tape. And tape, tape actually was great. It sounded no, fantastic. he looked after absolute bollocks back in the day. I know that's, 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 that's revisionist history. Tape is fucking shit. It did. Always. Then it did. It sounded great. The best thing about tape was that you could you could listen to music on the go. We could listen yeah. to music. It was, it was, the honest truth is that's that's the good thing is we had a way of listening to music. And that's what he had. Oh, fair enough. Fair, fair enough. <laughs> but you know what I mean. So it's yeah. always the romanticism of the quality more than the. But quality. it is. It is because big girl wasn't tape great. No, no it's like, it wasn't. Just, no. just imagine. I mean, I won't argue that. And for anybody listening to this again, who's from those years prior, just imagine like having an album going. I want to listen to so and so. Do we need to describe oh, tapes? No, I, I want to listen to so and so song. Okay, well, good luck finding yeah. it. What do you mean? We've got the album right here. Yeah, but you've got to find the song you want. Yeah. That wasn't even a question, was oh. it? You couldn't do that. You could never, you could never choose a song, not unless no. it was the first song on side B. But that, that was the best thing about Rain and Blood. Again, back to Rain and Blood, bringing all things back yes. to Rain and Blood. You could get Rain and Blood twice mm. on a C60. Yep. You know, because C60 is usually the preserve of a long album. Yeah. Dare I say, prog. Um, but, um, you, but you, you would, you would you, like. See, the sixties were for the for, for something quite long. Yeah. To get raining blo- raining blood on both sides is why I had. So it's literally listen to raining blood, flip it over. Oh. So on the subject again. of excite, excitement around raining blood, do you remember? Back in the day, there was uh, by the way, the, we are both aware of this. Sounds like just a couple of old cunts. No, well, um, well, we are going on, but yeah, but why not? We yeah, can't talk to people yeah. about this. If you're on Facebook, someone will moan at us. Well, also, this is the kind of thing that at Christmas that you can just sit back yeah. and listen to and just go like, yeah, this is actually quite heartwarming. Yeah. Here's a story for the oldies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These two old, <laughs> these two old bastards going on. Most people listening to this are old bastards as well. So. Yeah, Adrian, Adrian, stoke the fire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's face it. One thing neither of us needs to do is stoke the fire <laughs> or poke the bear <laughs> uh, well what I was going to say is do you, yeah, do you remember those Christmas specials on TV the, the Elvira um, TV mm-hmm. shows they had where they yeah. had the Slayer live gig the Napalm Death Metallica yeah. and all those things and it was like what the fuck is this we, you don't have metal on TV and suddenly yeah. one Christmas we had Heavy Metal Heaven and there was just the heaviest of shit and the coolest of shit all over Christmas yeah. and we just you know all of us videotaped it just we couldn't wear it out so we all had a copy each and that's what we watched for the, for the next year we just was, watched all of them what was that Channel 4 programme that started? Venom were on it um, Warrior were on it I bought the Warrior album on the base that's it when was that? we are fighting <laughs> for the earth we are <laughs> fight oh, honestly fucking hell oh, they did come back actually I think 
I take the piss out of them. Yeah. All these other bands come. Yeah, so you've got no, I'm just on my own here, aren't I? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I want to know, but I don't. Um, yeah. Oh God, I wish I could remember it. People are. This is so annoying. People are. People are like listening to this yeah, shouting, well either with the headphones on, shouting or shouting at like speakers, going, "It was fucking this, you stupid old fucker." Um, yeah. I can't remember for the life of me. Um, I'll fucking mention it at the beginning. But that, but that whole idea of you know the one I mean, anyway. But when, when you know, you, you kind of you, cross, you can easily cross-reference it to today's society as far as metal goes. But how how exciting it was when you would turn on. Top of the Pops and Maiden or Motorhead would be on there taking the piss. Yeah, you, know, you, be, yeah. you would all be there waiting for Top of the Pops because I and Maiden were on there this week and you knew about it. Or there was a program on about heavy metal on BBC Two and you would just, yeah. it would be the most diamonds, thing of months. Diamonds in the rough. Yeah. You'd just be like, well, I, I, remember, I remember going to a friend's house and my mother knew how much I loved Marillion. Yeah. Um, and so she let me go to a friend's house down the road and it was about 11 o'clock at night and I was like about 14 and um, I was allowed to go there actually it was my sister's current boyfriend at the time who got me into Marillion and Marillion were going to be on and it was what is recital of the script the DVD video that you could get it was basically them at Hammersmith Odeon yeah and um we were all sat there and I was absolutely you know I had script for Justice Tear for Gazi was now I had script for Justice Tear um, really just like that's all I played basically and I started getting all of the singles so I could listen to the B-sides and stuff like that yeah. and just I was just brilliant mad and um 11 o'clock at night BBC 2 they were going to show Marillion in concert from you know pre-recorded from Hammersmith Odeon yeah so we all sat down and they came on and that is the first time I'd ever seen what the band looked like so you know Fish comes on and he's like in your mind's eye you've had this idea of what yeah. this person looks like and it's just like six foot four massive Scottish bloke <laughs> wearing what looks like sort of a smock um, with a painted face amazing and it was just I, I was just absolutely blown away jaw on the floor um, and and yeah, all all yeah. all little bits and pieces like that that used to make that that would you know like made the made them going in straight in the charts number two with Holy Smoke. But, but yeah. <laughs> I, didn't, I was bored of Maiden by then. Yeah, but it was, it was, it was so exciting. Song. But it was so exciting. It's the mystery that's gone, and for for everything positive, and, and today's technology provides so much for the listener, all the band, all all the yeah. promoter, all and, everyone. Yeah, but, and we can't. But to lose that magic of. of Surprise and not knowing and excitement is that the, the elusiveness of your music, the fact that you you had to be almost lucky yeah. to, to be able to see your band, and if you weren't going to a gig, that that's the stuff that people don't realise. That's well, why that's why today people who were around then are back to those days because you could never replace that. There's nothing today that replaces it. For all the positives you get, nothing will ever actually replace the magic and the, the mystery of what you used to get from having falls. <laughs> yes, yeah. But what but what you're the, 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 the wider point that um, that you're making and is very, very true is that all of those things put a value mm. 
on yeah. the music yeah, they put absolutely. a value on those experiences mm. that are now ten a penny yeah um, and it's it's that that you know that, that that's lost and that, I mean I was I, I was thinking the other day and it's, it's you know it's a very fair point I remember also as a music fan you know it's not all fucking you know it was all better in my day um, <laughs> because I, I remember seeing CDs at fourteen ninety nine and thinking this is taking the fucking piss yeah. You know, 15 quid for a CD, which now you'll get for eight quid. Yeah. I was talking to Danny Filth about this the other day, and he was, he was saying it's like, it's it's like, you know, CDs now, it's just like, well, whatever it is, even if I just vaguely think of I like it, I'll buy it, because it's, it's, it's cheap. Yeah. And that's the other thing, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I, I apologise to listeners who might have heard me go on about this before, but... Back in the day, if you do, if you are going to spend 12, 13, 15 quid on a CD, you ain't going to come home, spin the first three minutes and go, nah, I can't be bothered. Mm. Because, yeah. you, you, because you've invested in it, literally, not figuratively, yeah. you have literally invested money in it. And, and also, I'm a Yorkshireman, I'm like, right, I'm going to get my fucking money. But you've expended energy you know, getting the fucking yeah. shop to actually get it and bring it back. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And then actually... Well, but for me, know, for my, my memories of albums, because I, I was lucky enough to have... You know these these metal mates who we we sort of go through these processes of new releases and going to buy them. But I have really really clear memories of, of certain album releases. Like yeah, you and I yeah. off off the, the off the uh, recording spoke about Aerosmith last time we had a beer. We did. But I remember going to get Pump. I remember going to buy it. We went round to my friend Paul's. Normally he come with us. I can't remember where he couldn't come. I think he had to look after the kids or something. A couple of us went off into town to, to go and do the ceremony of buying the album and brought it back. And I just remember that whole thing of going to get it, looking at the inlay, Steve, on the bus home, you know, just reading the lyrics and getting excited about what we're about to listen to, getting home, hearing it. And it, and it really was this whole event, you know, yeah. just, just listening to a CD. Um, the limitations of music made that an event and that's what we don't have now but, yeah. but I, I just have these fixed memories of, of all the big albums and what we did and I can remember really clearly where we were where we bought it from even how much it cost you know but, I th- but also I think um, thinking about that there was also that also meant that there was a very definite hierarchy um, and you know you basically there was there was, there was a level of kind of there was a level of bands like your Aerosmiths and all the rest. And basically, if you weren't in that club, you were really going to struggle to ever get yeah. to that level. Whereas I think I think the the, the playing field is a lot more open now. Yeah, you know, there's yeah, yeah. there's, uh, there's it, it's you know it's open for for bands to come through. Yeah, because the volume of of, of music that's out there, the volume of bands that are out there. But there's all I, I don't know. Maybe there's always been that volume. I know a lot of people say like, well, you know, you can record music easier, so it's 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 it, you know it's easy to get in contact with people. You know, it's, 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 you can use the internet and it's cheaper to record, and that's why there's more music. And I'm I'm kind of like, well, actually, is that the case? I mean, instruments. Are, you know, you, you still you know, for our kind of music, you still need fucking instruments. Mm. Um, was it just a case of they, there? Were, there was a shitload of music around. It's just that record labels were the arbiters of taste, and you know, if you didn't get on a label, 
you didn't get heard outside of your town. Whereas now, yeah. the ten bands that are in your town are getting heard and are able to make 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 their way. You know, whereas you know bands who were lucky enough, it wasn't luck. Yeah. You make your own luck to get signed, like like us. We got out there. It's really hard to say. I mean, it's, it's something I've, I've asked myself a lot because people question the validity of you know promotion or, or home recording or whatever these days. And there are a lot of debates around emerging music. And I always ask myself, you know, was it different back then? And it's really hard to say because on one hand you could say. Of course, all the same bands are there because we were always just as inspired, if not more so, when we were younger to, to be in bands and play. But on the other hand, I think maybe maybe there are more now because you know you can commit to a CD much easier, much cheaper. Therefore, the the idea is that you can be heard easier. You, if you know you can get your music onto a medium people can listen to, Facebook, you know, YouTube or whatever, does that drive you more, perhaps? Perhaps you are more committed to the to the recorded form than you used to be. Whereas yeah. for me, it was always about playing a gig live. There was nothing else because we couldn't record. You know, we're never going to be in a studio playing onto a, on a table vinyl. That, point, that, yeah. that wasn't even something we considered. So it was about playing a decent gig. Yeah, whereas just now, a live band. because you know there are opportunities to get heard, maybe you redirect your music to a certain way to the recorded form rather than live. So maybe there are more bands now because the opportunity drives people in that direction it's very difficult to say yeah bands certainly sound better now uh, not, yeah they're not although, necessarily live although do you know what here's a here's a here's, a, here's an operation for you go and get the go and get the remastered version of South of Heaven and play it back to back with so backwards then no no that would be, really, be really but, but, but play a track off that and then play a track off something like World Painted Blood yeah. or repentance and see how fucking good South of Heaven sounds and South of Heaven isn't the best produced album of that era um, it is it's it, yeah it's 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 up for debate because I know um, you know I, I know young people some of my friends are young people um and um, I don't know a lot of them would prefer, prefer uh, you know, modern production but there is also a thing as there were some fucking great productions back in the day that uh, that were basically to make sound a little bit bigger mm. you know there's that that whole big metal sound whereas now I don't I, I don't necessarily think many bands go for that that big fucking sound. No, I it's agree. about it's about how heavy you are. Do you I mean, know? I think we I think we've passed through a, a real phase of uh, production as well. I think we're coming back to the point where where the accessibility of social media is also giving us access to knowledge about producers. Yeah. So we've had these debates about production and stuff, and we've gone through it, and most people have, have heard all the arguments ten times over, and now we're actually acting on it. So when someone talks about the value of a producer, people look into a producer and learn about them and follow them and a producer gets a name about them and there are a few people around now you know I, I see that through my clients where people sort of home in on these these real talents who can just take the, a really good sounding homemade thing everything sounds good right? yeah. does, does it sound great I don't know but everything sounds good it sounds balanced it sounds heavy it sounds professional 
Yeah. But whether it's better than other things now it depends on producers and I think people understand and know producers and I think that's starting to happen I think people are going to yeah, these yeah. guys who've come out of their bedrooms and created studios homemade again but are becoming really really well known because they've got the talent yeah. not just the gear and I think that's what I'm seeing now especially through you know I, I deal with maybe three or four hundred songs a year for, through my business and hear these things and I compare them and you can hear a great tune that sounds crap and you can hear a bad tune that sounds great yeah and everything in between but there really is a place for a good producer these days and yeah there are a few people that I'm starting to see people go to well as um, and maybe it's bringing, bringing back you know that, that those qualities that you and I well, are talking I, about well I remember speaking to Andy Snape around the time we were recording our last single and we were struggling for a mix and um it was looking like we weren't going to have the studio time to do it, and I, I said, Andy, look, can you do me a favour and and mix and mix this tune? And he said, Mate, I'd love to, but I am, I'm in with. It was either it was it was either Saxon then Priest or Priest then Saxon. In between, he was doing a gig with Hell, which he wasn't <laughs> going to be able to do any rehearsals for. He was just literally yeah. just going to rock up to the gig. And I was like, dude, you do not have to apologise. He's like, I'm really sorry. He's like, you do not have to apologise <laughs> for A, not being able to do me a favour, and B, being so fucking good at your fucking mm. job. You know? Um, and, um, uh, yeah, it, it's, it is just that. I've got, I've got a reference that when you were talking there about producers and everything, and you say, making it sound good and all the rest of it. And I was thinking, there was this fucking wailing bitch on the music in the background. And just really, <laughs> really annoying. If any of you were listening, were, were, were like, kept getting bits of that music in the background and going, God, that's fucking annoying. Yeah, that. Me too. <laughs> it was fucking horrible. Um, oh, right, okay, yeah, right. So, um, pause. I assume you told him why rather than just being... Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, um, should have probably about half an hour ago asked them to turn the volume, to turn their music down in there. Um, because now it is. Has he got any Slayer? <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's get him to stick some Slayer on. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Bloody hell. Um, so, yeah, uh, it, it, old, old blokes talk uh, old music. It's nice, I like it. So, and, anything else? Anything else sort of wet your whistle this, this, this year other than like delving into Gajira because I know you listen to a massive amount of music in a really really horrendous way as well yeah that's the thing it's a piece you've got of way I mean for the benefit of the listener I mean Andy does a lot of um, uh, lyric videos and then all you know not all the music is as brilliant as Acid Rain so you know no. so I mean making a lyric most of it most of it is good actually I mean I think the nature of who I'm connected to drives who comes to me and, and, and I honestly would say maybe 19 out of 20 tracks I really like because I'm really lucky Bloody hell. It, it is it is a very high success rate I, I do really get into it and I think that's what's pushed me into different genres is that when you have to listen to something you realise it's good quite quickly you don't yeah. have to like the style but you know what's good if you, if you know music you know okay this isn't what I normally listen to but yeah they've done it well yeah. and I think I pick up on that and yeah, you're right, it is very difficult. I, I, I thought that maybe I need to do, I think we all, in ourselves, whether anyone else wants to listen to it or not, we all feel like we need to do our top tens each year. Um, and, and I'm not sure what I'll, I'll do with mine because I've heard a lot of good stuff. And it is mostly single-based. 
I've got to be honest I, I'm, I do a top five at the beginning of each year and I'd struggle to do a top ten this year I just this year's just been for me it's just been a, a bit of a quiet year mm. um, and um, yeah I, mean, I think going over my going over my top five for the year it's it's yeah I'm, I'm old and can't remember which is my major problem but if I if I'd made a list as I went along I think I'd have a a pretty massive one it's mostly did Creator come out this year? oh god no I was early on if it did yeah no no it it wouldn't have been this year no and we've already done this so we won't cover it I I did I did like Hardwired that was this year wasn't it that was early this year no was it not? No. So I did, I, yeah, I did a whole Christmas. Jesus I did a whole Christmas okay. special on Hardwired last year. Oh, you, you're here at the wrong Christmas. I did. I did. I did five hours. Hold on, which Christmas are we recording for now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did five hours on Hardwired, um, talking to all sorts of, of people about it. Was. Yeah, Jesus. Including, including my favourite, which was uh, Jonathan from uh, Shrapnel, who a had never seen him live, and b really liked St Anger. Yeah, okay. And I found that out about halfway through the interview, and I was like, oh god, this is so redundant now. And then I spoke to Nath from Shrapnel, who fucking loved him, <laughs> and, and loved Hardwired. Oh, great band, Shrapnel. Mm. Yeah, no. well, there you go. Maybe I need to talk about more recent history. Yeah, no, no, yeah. I think a lot, a lot of this year has been about the more um, the upcoming bands like Bigfoot, who are a great rock band from up north. Um, and it's it's the stuff that's come through that has really impressed me. It's just been really great stuff. I tell, ah, no, here we go. War wound punk band. Oh, so punky hardcore. Oh, hang on, Ian hang Glasper. On. Ian Glasper, yeah. yes. So X stamping ground and X everything yes. else. Yeah, and he Fantastic. sent he, he sent me a tune, and I don't know what happened to it. Well, I'm gonna I'll get you down. Oh yeah. The the. It's not what I normally listen to, and I, I think it, it's it's a kind of like prog got me. I've realised I'm a massive hardcore fan without knowing what hardcore is. So I love bands like Hatebreed, just because for me it's just fucking riffy metal that just you know pounds and drives. Yeah. I don't care what the music is, but apparently hardcore is the kind of stuff I get into. But uh, War Room, that album's just insane. Absolutely insane. It's so catchy. It's so fast and it's short. You know the, yeah. the punchy tracks. But it's fucking brilliant. It's brutal. Oh, wow. it's, it's really good. And you're, you are that's li- definitely up there. Top three. For you're, me. you're listing off all the things I love. Well, about. I think as opposed to Von Herzen Brothers. Yeah, yeah. I think so, you will love that war wound. It, well, if you can get me that in time, that may where there's room in the top five. Uh, I don't know when this is going know, out, and, and I'm not. Allowed, I'm not allowed to say this, but either way, um, yeah, I've booked them for Amplify Festival because they're just one of the most exciting bands. Oh, are you not allowed to say that? Well, we haven't announced any bands yet. So. Oh, right, okay. Well, it's only my podcast. No one listens anyway, don't worry. No, fuck it, it's my stage. There's more people in this room <laughs> than listen. But I'm, I'm just going yeah. to pause this to go and get Andy's Guinness. <laughs> yeah, we've, um, we've outlasted the um, we've outlasted the twats in the other half of the pub as well. They probably forget we're in here because we're in a remote corner now and get locked in overnight. Yes, yes. Wor- worst lock in ever. <laughs> Locked in a part of the pub with no bar. Yeah. It's horrendous. But yeah, I think that's probably exhausted my memories of uh, of this year's music right now. Even though I've got a very big list of, of great stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's been a funny old year. I, did, I, I just keep coming back to um, to uh, to prong. Um, 
just another another great album no absolutes from the previous album and I, and I, and I thought you know it, I've always felt with problem that they do a cracking album and then there's an, another one that goes off in a different direction and is not quite as good mm. then another cracker and then the same happens again but two like monsters and I, for the life of me I'm sat here bullshitting trying to remember the title <laughs> and, and I can't I can't I'm going to have to um, I'm, I'm going to have well, to look t- it up I'll on tell my you what phone. I did love and I know this is this year because I, I had a, a row with someone about it still being in my top ten by the end of the year he insisted it wouldn't be and it is it's several touring I thought that album was fantastic which, uh, which album's that Zero right. Zero Days by Prom I, I can't remember I can't remember the, the title of Subtour actually but um, I just put it on and listened to it but it was, it's amazing oh. it's absolutely it's inventive and it's creative and it's just just sounds fantastic well I, I, I one of the other albums I've just noticed that's in my that's going to probably be in my top five would be Prophets of Rage not, a, not a band I've given enough time to. Oh, Everybody uh, talks same, about no, no, same here, same here. I and, need to. And, and you know what? To. I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, I need to be playing that more. I need to be playing that mm. more. Um, it's it's great. It's got some, I mean, it's not going it's, it's not going to change the world. Literally, sorry, Tom. Um, but there's some great st- great stuff on it, and also. Um, the uh, the new propaganda album, which is taking yeah. a few listens to get into. Yeah, no, no, that's fantastic. Victory Lap. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Absolutely. And I do like Havoc. Oh Back right. To the thrash. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I just kind of, I don't know. But it's, it, it's it's thrash with sort of an inventiveness behind it. There's a lot of really sort of experimental bass and stuff that reminds me of suicidal tendencies. Oh, suicidal tendencies. There you go. That album. Outstanding, really. Yeah. Do you know to my to, well? I this is how far of, out of love I've fallen with suicidal. I haven't even heard it. It's good. Give it a go. I think you'll like it. Yeah. Again, it's got that sort of that that punky energy, that vibe to it. Yeah, it's very strong and live. They're just fucking amazing. It's one of my best gigs this year. Um, were you ever into Fishbone? Not really. No. Right. Okay. But not. I couldn't say I wasn't. I just don't know them well enough. Right? Yeah. No. I was. I was. I was always a big fan, and um, I watched a documentary on YouTube the other day, and um, and it's great. It's a whole documentary. The whole thing's free. And watch it on YouTube called Everyday Sunshine, which is a name of one of their um, one of their tracks, one of their better known tracks, and it's it's just the it's the story of the um, uh, of the band, and it's just fucking brilliant. Um, and they're just a, a, a really, really vastly underrated band. It's like, there's all of these, it's one of these bands where if they were as famous as half the people on the documentary saying <laughs> Fishbone are incredible, nobody knows why they never, you know, why, why they never hit it big. Mm. They're just one of those bands. That that's, that's the current thing for me is, is music documentaries. I mean, I can't get enough of it. You know, just hearing these amazing, amazing stories about bands you didn't know about. Oh well, in that case, I've got I've I've got one for you, um, uh, and I might have to lend it to you because I don't think you'll be able to track it down online. Um, well, you, well, you might do, but you might have to pay. Um, uh, filmage: the story of the Descendants. No. Oh, no. mate, just 
I'm not going to say anything about it. <laughs> but you know, we've got Dave Grohl sat there saying he learned, you know, he learned how to play drums by playing along to Descendants records. Awesome. Um, and there's really funny animation in it as well. There's there's some genuine big laughs. There's some absolutely heart wrenching moments where Bill Stevenson, the the, the, the genius behind the band. Um, is asked by the filmmakers to talk about his dad and he's just he just I don't want to talk about my dad and you, just, you can hear the emotion in the voice it's just it's really really and he wrote a song after his father died and it contains one of the greatest lyrics ever um, he's, he had a very difficult relationship with his father his father never thought he was nothing he ever did was good enough for him and he looked after his father for two years as he died and towards the end he was literally having to carry him to the toilet Christ. and the song that he wrote in memorial to his father contains the lyric I'd pick you up you'd put me down and I wow. just thought that is just just amazing insane but he, he also tells a story sorry I'm going to ruin it for you and anybody listening <laughs> um, he also tells a story about there's a great there's a great um, Descendants song called Clean Sheets again including brilliant lyrics like clean sheets mean a lot to a guy who sleeps on the floor um, and uh, he, he tells a story of he woke up in the morning he woke up in the morning with the melody and the lyrics like done it, he, was, he woke up with the complete song just like oh that's 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 clean tunes then and, and he's, yeah he's, he, but that, 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 is a, that is a really and talk about seeing a band go through you know start out from humble beginnings and you know and and just just play everywhere and you know again one of those bands that should be much bigger than they are but they they are actually they are actually kind of you know pretty male renowned now. Well, when you can hear those backstories it makes a massive difference it's like the, the the one that captured my imagination was Twisted Sister because they're playing Bloodstock and everybody was you know telling me how and it finishes Incredible when they get signed. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I knew nothing, literally nothing. So, so we watched, my wife and I watched the, the uh, documentary before we saw them live, just thought we'd catch up, you know, just thought we'd get some information. Didn't yeah. realise how bloody amazing that documentary oh, is. I, well, a fan of, of the sister, mm. uh, back in the day, um, went to see him on the uh, Come Out and Play tour. Um, still, you know, within the top five best gigs I've ever been to. Well, the, the Bloodstock um, gig I saw is, it might even be the best ever gig I've seen. Well, Dee Schneider, you know, I, I think it doesn't get... Well, one, one, I, I saw somebody comment in a Bloodstock forum that said, um, bands of the weekend for me, I can't split it. Twisted Sister and Acid Rain. <laughs> and I was just like, <laughs> I was just giddy because that was just, yeah. Wow. Um, I mean, I, he, he and I did a podcast for um, about six months, um, and I've yeah, listened to every one of those. I mean, you know, I, I just a, a, a just a fantastic voice. I, I I mean, I'm always shocked when people sort of because there, there is a school of thought. Quite a few metal fans consider them to be a bit of a one-hit wonder, mm. you know, which 
uh, which always amazes well, if you me. If you see him lying, I mean, that's the thing. Me and Sarah just stood there. It was the hit after hit. What, what the hell? But it's, it's hit after hit. Yeah. You, know, it, it, you know, stay hungry. It went platinum, and it's got, it's, it's got the hits. And, um, uh, yeah, it's just, what a band. What a band. And the, the, where it ends, funnily enough, I was going to mention this to you earlier. You know, you were saying about little thing, you know, you'd, you get things on TV and you go, oh, wow, you know, a metal band. Mm. I remember I was introduced to Twisted Sister watching them on the tube. Uh, yeah, yeah. On. I remember that, yeah. You know, I, that was, mm. that was like, well, who are these guys? <laughs> this is interesting. Um, I absolutely loved them. Loved them. Um, yeah. And, um, but that brings me back to what we were talking about earlier and just how good Bloodstock is. It's just like the, the vision and the, the determination to make that their last UK gig. You know, for Vicky to go out and just fight to get that, to bring them back in, was just amazing because, like I say, I didn't know who they were. Me and Sarah, my wife, were just in tears, literally just crying about how fucking amazing that was. Yeah. You know, and it, it really, I'll never ever forget that. We were with friends, my, my best friends, who love them, who just were the same. It's like, well, this just this just shows what, what music is. And Twisted Sister aren't a Bloodstock band. They're not. Mm, no, not at all. But that's that's the beauty of Bloodstock is willing to change and develop and but they know what to do, you know, they know what bands to bring in just to make a great show. And I'll never forget that. It's just one of the best things I've ever seen live. Well it was one of the worst uh, you know, one of if not the worst thing about playing Bloodstock on the Saturday was that I wasn't able to see Twisted Sister on the Friday yeah. and um, I heard Dee Schneider being interviewed uh, by Jamie Jaster on his podcast and you know they're doing an album together now yeah. and Jaster's but well, it actually it actually comes up during the interview they actually st- it, like Jamie pitches it and then he's like right yeah fine when, when are we doing this then <laughs> and uh, and it's and you know typically two two guys who don't just talk they get shit done mm. you know those two and um, it's, have it's, you ever spoke to Jamie? No, no. Such um, a good guy. But I, I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd love to. I've I've I've, um, I've badgered him on Twitter a couple of times, but it's, um, he's got way too many followers to notice. You know, somebody. Will you uh, say that though? But hang on, hang on. Go on, go on. One thing I wanted to finish on in the podcast interview with Jamie Jaster. Um, Dee Schneider mentions Bloodstock and what an amazing festival it is and what a, what a wonderful experience cool very cool it's right and, and like Jamie Johnson's going oh yeah man yeah no it's really cool but like Dee Schneider's you know full on saying yeah that was that was awesome the, the reason I kind of latched on to, uh, to Jamie was just because and I don't know whether we mentioned it in the last time we, you interviewed me but when I did my my charity shows, they had bangers ball shows. Um, we were going to play. We booked a gig in Newcastle with four bands at World HQ, which wasn't a metal venue. It was a, a very sort of uh, grassroots level supportive venue. And it looked like it was going to be amazing with some some good local bands, uh, but it looked like it was going to be a really great gig in a great venue. And Hatebreed announced they were playing same weekend, right near the end. Oh. and just murdered it for me just absolutely murdered it it's like well this is gonna there's no point doing it yeah but I'm not I wasn't just doing it you know for money as much as it was for charity it was about the bands as well um, and on the off chance I, I, I just emailed 
their tour manager and said look we're doing this you've just killed it we didn't know but do you think you know we could hook up have you got support bands yet he came back saying let me speak to Jamie came back a long time after saying we can do something like well what what the fuck do you mean what can we do yeah and Headbangers Balls well three of the four bands I had to relocate it as well to another gig which was tough um, was supported in Hatebreed that's which, awesome which was a sold out show where where was it it was in the, one of the uh, the O2 whatever right, because yeah. the O2 was um, and it, it could have sold out a lot more you know it was a, it was a crazy crazy gig so we had a, a kind of mismatch supporting it but we had three bands I supported them. We had all our banners up, and we were we were. It was like we were the co-headline of the way they let us do the posters. It was hate breed and headbangers balls, but they totally let us go with it. You know, that's brilliant. And it 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 was just above and beyond anything I'd done or been able to achieve through what I was doing. But it was down to him. You know, it was the manager was great. You know, for for putting me in contact. But he made the decision. Jamie made the decision, and I met him on the night, and he's like, yeah, why not? Well, why wouldn't I? Yeah, for me, yeah, but it's like, yeah, well, yeah. for me as a, as a human, it's like, well, of course not. I, w- I would too. But I'm not in that position. Yeah, when, when you're in that position, how and, would you act? And also, it's it, it's like, that. that's that's a very cool thing to say, but uh, unfortunately, it's also a rarity. Yeah. But then you get to know Jamie, and you see what he does and what he says and how he acts, and yeah. that's just the dude he is, and he is a, he is a fucking legend. He's a, he's a really yeah. good guy. You know, he's approachable and he cares and he's interested. Yeah. I think that's the thing, he's interested in what goes on around him. He's a good front man too, you know, he's a great yeah. front man. But very cool. Well, um, well, it's funny It's funny you say that because I, f- I found that um, with, with Danny Filth as well. Um, really nice guy. Really enjoyed talking to him. Well, you and I have discussed this, haven't we? You know, and, and it, it, I think I had preconceptions about him, which I think were very, very unfair, grossly unfair. Yes. I think, and they were yeah. they were from other people. I don't think yeah. I'd ever make my own mind up. Well, I, I think I think also if you're a certain age and you remember Cradle Filth, Cradle Filth coming up and on their way up or whatever, I think I think uh, you, you probably you probably think that he is somebody he's not, mm. um, and uh, and and you know speaking as somebody who. Um, who just met an absolute heavy metal legend who didn't turn out to be everybody's mate. Oh, thanks cheeky, very much. And the cheeky chappy that he makes out. Um, and it's actually yeah. a right cunt. Yeah. Um, and you really wouldn't know it from all of the, like, you know, the images, the exact the exact opposite of what they're actually yeah. like. Yeah, um, yeah it, and, and, and funnily enough, again, here I am, you know, 47 years old thinking... What's with the preconceptions, Howard? You idiot! Do you know what I mean? You should, you should have learned by now. You should know by now. It's funny, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, for the benefit of anyone interested who's listening, I think my, my preconceptions were just around what other people said. But I, I saw Danny at Bloodstock just backstage in the VIP area, just chilling out, meeting fans, having a good time. Anyone who approached him for a photo or for just a chat mm. as much as he was drunk he was absolutely obliging and it's like well, yeah. that, there's nothing more you can ask of someone no, to do that and it's yeah. like well according to everything I was told he wouldn't have done that 
Yeah, I was wrong. You know, he just seems a nice guy. I didn't speak to him. Well, it was like um, it was like the uh, the tale that I was told by uh, a promoter about the uh, about the headline band that he was dealing with. <laughs> um, and, um, and and the, the singer is a well known kind of mouthpiece, and he's not backwards at coming forwards. You know, he he he'd sit he'd, he'd fit in right nice nicely in a <laughs> chair with us right now, and. Um, he uh, and and he turned out to be pretty much um, uh, absolutely on the level, really decent bloke to deal with. Mm. And it was the, the rest of the bands and the girlfriends, the rest of the band, the girlfriends, the girlfriends it was, yeah. that, were, that were the problem. You know. Yeah. And, uh, I remember. And, I, and, I was there at the, at the time as this was developing. I was there. Just, really. Yeah, I was in. It, well, I was sponsor of the event. This is really annoying because I know you don't know. He, we he can't ma- really say. He mouthed the band to me, therefore I know who it is, and now we can talk about it, but we can't. Yeah. But I was there at the time as this was developing and hearing the story and hearing the potential problems, and it sounded like we were dealing with the, the biggest bunch of prima donna arseholes ever, only to find out later that it was the wax. Wasn't it? It's, yeah. Yeah, uh, which is just which is insane. Well, I, I love it. You know, they, they, you know, I was being told the story, and the singer says, "Don't, don't fucking listen to them." <laughs> he goes, "Their girlfriends think that they're going out with a couple of rock stars. It's got nothing to do with them. Don't listen to them. The hotel's fine." You know, it's just like, especially having heard the guy interviewed as well, and all of he's like, he really, you know, he's he, he's he's got his opinions, yeah. and you ain't gonna talk him round yeah. and, and he's you know I thought I was quite forthright um, but um, uh, yeah you know and then he- hearing that story it's like well yeah you know why 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 should somebody who is you know very forthright blunt and opinionated also be a twat mm. you know why why would that you know and then think oh good lord I, 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 I must be I must be right as known as a right twat <laughs> <laughs> I must have, I must have, a, I must have a, a, a dreadful, I must have a dreadful reputation. <laughs> um, but because uh, that's pretty much me. Um, yeah. But you know, I, I was. It was a really, really nice story to hear. But, you know, he was a. Um, I, I, he saved it anyway. He, he took yes. your own. Yeah. 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 So would you would you ever get involved in 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 booking again? Um, well, I am in it to an extent. But well, so actually, you are. Yes, I apologise. My reluctance with with the festival, yeah, but that's just out of duty to a friend. But um, and the festival being amplified, of course. Amplified, yeah. Was that not your highlight of the year? No, it was horrendous. <laughs> the stress when it's on you, when it you know everything falls on you. Absolutely. And then when the weather turns against you, as much as you know, there were we we created some unique memories. I don't. I don't enjoy. I don't enjoy booking at all. Not at all. There's, well, you said you, you you did say the word. Everything was on you, and um, I'm really surprised that you didn't go the extra mile and make sure it didn't rain that day. Um, you know, well, say everything's on me. You know, schoolboy school error. There were there were people running around doing you know a hundred times more than me. It wasn't actually on me, but it felt for me the way I am the, the anxiety yeah, yeah, myself. Well, it feels like. It, it's Stage has got your, your company name. We, we were we, you booked uh, everybody. Yourself? We were driving around the, the Friday. We couldn't be there because we were we were trying to buy a house. The house you and I have discussed tonight, away yes. from the recording, it still hasn't. 
resolved itself, but that's where we were that night. And I, I was watching Facebook and seeing the weather destroy everything and just stressing out and panicking and worrying about how bands were feeling and how fans were. And it's not worth it for me. I mean, it's, it's, it's not the, the, the stress of, of having to manage those situations is not worth it for me. I remember the message you sent me on Saturday morning. The night after, I don't. I re- yeah, the morning after, and it just and you said your message was, "I love you just a little bit more this morning." <laughs> it was. It was. The relief. It was a really. It was a really sweet message because yeah. we had an absolute blast. It was. You know, that was a massive relief to um, see to see people conquering the situation. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's the old, you know, it's the old Dunkirk spirit. But well, we came out of that, that festival with. Some like ridiculously stalwart supporters. I mean, people who were just straight back, and some ridiculously, some ridiculously determined to give you a hard time about it. As oh well. yeah, of course. So, which I, which I only just, I, I somebody made me aware of it, and I can't remember who. But somebody was saying that there was one particular stallholder. Yeah, no, there was, was there was, was, the, there was making a, a lot of negative noise for you. Yeah, I mean it's public and public knowledge enough, but to talk about. It. But there was a yeah, but we just don't want to give them the uh, publicity. Well, no, it would be bad, so it's fine. Um, she's horrible. She she was given given the uh, she she used to run a pub in in Cheltenham, and um, she she was given an opportunity to, to to get involved in the festival, and she came out of it thinking that. Everything was was against her, you know. She just decided to try and blame the weather, blame every situation. The, the fact that the main stage, you know, needed a generator she was using as the, the, the tiny third stage, she thought that was unfair, whereas, you know, people were just doing what they needed to do. And she decided to go public with some very, very negative feedback. And um, I certainly got involved in trying to manage that. But, yeah, it died down because... Thankfully, so many people had a really, really positive experience, despite the terrible weather. Um, but, but mostly because of the bands and the bands' attitudes. But, but I also think I think there's a, a certain part of that is the we, the reason it doesn't get traction is that as a as punters, when you've you've paid money to go to this, and you've you know you've suffered and you've got to keep in a tent and. You haven't seen some bands that you wanted to see because they haven't been able to play because, mm. yeah, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. When you see somebody who was there to make money, essentially at work, trying to make out like they're as much a victim, I think your average punter goes, "Oh fuck off!" Yeah. Sorry, but you had a bad day at work. Boo for you. Yeah. You know, well, it's always it was a wave. You know, we've, was, we've driven from here, we've driven from there, we've spent money on this. We, we saw the that, internet you know. at work. We saw the way the internet works. If if someone promotes negativity, people will jump on board and join in. That people who were there or not were happy to leave bad feedback. Yeah, and the fact is, you know, we we were a new festival and we were willing to take all feedback as long as it was constructive. But some people were just like, you know, going for it. Yeah. But before we needed to worry, there were so many people who were being positive. We've seen it this year. We're booking, you know, big bands this year with big agents, big booking agencies, who have actually turned around and said, you know, but we did hear a little bit of concern about it last year and the weather and how you dealt with that. And that's been before we got a chance to comment. It's been negated by people they know, other people who work for them saying, no, I was there or I heard, and 
this was brilliant don't worry about it mm. and you know people have stepped in and just done the job for us just said no this, we, we know that this festival is young but doing the right thing and we're doing it well also that to a certain extent as well it's kind of like well we've you know we're go, we're, we're going to be running again this year and last year was possibly let's say the worst thing that could have possibly happened Words, and yeah. not just you know, it, you know it was the weather it was the staff not turning up it was the generators being dumped outside mm. and stuff like that like everything that could go wrong went wrong and you know what we still ran people still had a good time so yeah. essentially none of those things can happen yeah, again yeah, yeah. essentially you, you don't need to worry unless you're booking a band for last year yeah you know you're it's you know it, it, it's done because also as a first festival if you guys weren't serious that experience is enough for anybody to just walk away. Mm. I mean, absolutely. I would have. Nobody. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I yeah. Wanted to. Well, and no, but nobody, no, nobody in their right mind, if they were, you know, would would, would no. have that experience and go, "Hey, should we do this again next year?" No, but we've got unless they were absolutely committed. We've to got it. sixty-six spots and sixty are booked. No, all my stage booked, um, and I've got the best of the best of the UK. And and beyond emergency. Well, happy to come down and do some emceeing for you. Well, just come, whatever you do, come down. That'd be great. But oh, no, was, uh, was but back to the point. Okay, was that uh, was that a no? <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, I'm, I'm well. I'm well versed. As I say, I don't well like, versed. I don't like giving people jobs. I don't want to be disappointed. <laughs> might might not work. Uh, no, but I, I I hate it. I hate. I absolutely hate being involved in anything that can that can end up being negative. I just don't like it, you know, I just try and create situations myself where I can manage risk and, and booking booking doesn't work for me. Well, so, well, especially when you're self-employed as well as we've both spoken about, as we're both self-employed, it's like, you know, you, you, you're constantly the master of your own destiny and you're constantly, you know, free yeah. to just turn stuff down because you can see there are problems down the road with that. No, you're all right, thanks. You know, well, the, only, the only reason I got into it is because it was charity to start with. So there's this, there's a greater purpose than my desire to hide in a corner and not do anything. You know what I mean? I didn't, and now it's 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 the fact that it's my best friend who I'm working with, and I really want to. If if I've got a skill that he could use, then you know I've got to do it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, that's um, that's a, that's a lovely place to. Um, to, to tie it off that's um, 90 minutes mate believe it or not Jesus I know as if anyone's still listening and the funny <laughs> thing is is you know being sat in a pub anyone who listens to us think we're having the fucking weirdest conversation in the world yeah yeah <laughs> well I, I hope not I hope, I hope not because that means people listening to this will go that sounds a bit weird yeah, but at least they understand we're recording it yeah true true but um, uh, Andy as a pleasure we're, we're, you know, we'll, we'll continue to are you good for another drink absolutely right okay well um Pleasure having you on. <laughs> yep, the two of us can talk for England, um, covering every subject you can imagine there. Um, and um, it's a real shame that Andy's moved away. I mean, I'm pleased for him because it's um, um, it's it's a move that's going to benefit his children, it's going to benefit him, it's going to benefit his wife. I mean, you know, it's, it's all good. In fact, the only person who loses out is me. So, you know... Um, that's that really doesn't really come into the equation. No, my dear, we can't move house for the for, for the sake of our children. We can't move house to improve our our lifestyle. No, 
because Howard lives nearby at the moment. <laughs> yeah, not really happening, is it? Um, but uh, I'll miss my old mate Andy. We've had we've had some really really good times down the pub. Um, we've covered every subject you can imagine, from politics to female fronted bands to uh, the UK scene to uh, just absolutely anything you can imagine. Um, and, um, and and we don't, as I said earlier, we don't always agree. Um, but when we disagree, we both we disagree passionately and and try and see each other's point of view. Um, and that's that. It's, it's a rare commodity, a very rare commodity. So that's Andy of Very Metal Art. He of the amazing uh, lyric videos and artwork and just you know, if you uh, Very Metal Art is worth tracking down on Facebook. Um, verymetalart.co.uk um, just some great stuff and if you're in a band he is a man that can make your band look amazing so definitely worth getting in touch um, and from and from one um, uh, a guy who I could talk to forever who's a good friend to a guy who is another person that I could talk to forever and who I have known for God I was thinking the other day I think it's about well since before I said, I've known him 30 years. I have known Malcolm Dome for 30 years. It's always good to meet up with him. Um, he's kind of like an annual guest now. He was on last Christmas for the Hardwired special. Um, and he's on this one and Metallica obviously get a mention. We almost, we almost, everything keeps coming back to Metallica with Malcolm and I. Um, we met up in our usual uh, usual haunt, which is a private members club down in central London, uh, just off Oxford Street, and um, and had this uh, really cool chat. And um, yeah, I hope you all enjoy it. And again, as I, I always say that, and then I sort of follow up and say, well, I can't fucking help it if you don't. But um, I know a lot of you like hearing from Malcolm because he is a man who is you know who's, who's interviewed some of the legends he's seen he's he's just he's been there done it seen it all so here he is the man the myth the legend the final interview of the christmas park podcast this is malcolm dome how things have changed um here we are yet again uh, for our, for our annual you. catch-up um how things have changed it used to be uh, i'd bring in like all sorts of bits of mics and stuff like yes, that you're right. and now and now it's just a phone yes <laughs> you know miniaturized yeah yeah well, it's technology um, moves on it's it's just so much easier it's so much easier than than bringing all sorts of bits and pieces <laughs> it's a lot easier when you remember to charge your phone so uh, <laughs> i'm sure it is um but um so you were saying you're really you're really busy yes yeah, very very hectic in all sorts of different areas which is great it's what you want really yes sometimes you think oh my god can you just slow down for a second but then you think no 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 actually i really quite like this yeah because there's so much going on back to back to back and you just have to um choose which thing to do when yeah and and presumably as well um well you know i i know as uh, as you know being self-employed it's it's you got to make you got to make hay while the sun shines yes absolutely because you never know when the sun's going to suddenly disappear behind a cloud yeah or something of that nature but at the moment the sun seems to be shining which I'm, I'm not actually complaining about yeah so. no that's great well I, yeah. and, and presumably that's why we we had to move from yesterday to today as well yes yes that's that's exactly it the nature of the freelancer the nature of the beast is things come up at the last 
announcement isn't sometimes you say yes sometimes you say no and sometimes you want to say no but really feel you have to say yes <laughs> <laughs> well, the, well the thing is as well is, that is, is, is you only have to say no once and, and you know you can say yes ten times in a row yes you say no and they go somewhere else yes and then next time they forget about you they go back to that's the person also, they did last time yeah that's also a danger you're absolutely right although paranoia can take over with anything to some extent <laughs> where you feel that could happen but that again that's the nature of the situation you're in yeah the checks and balances yeah I mean it, it's yeah but although you have a you have a name uh, that that if people want something by Malcolm Dome they are oh you know, I, I, no, I think I, 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 you know don't, don't be modest now if they want something for you to do then they're, they're going to have to fit into your schedule well, to some extent, yes. Obviously, there, there is a, a, a little leeway sometimes. Sometimes there isn't. Mm. Sometimes you literally have a situation, can you do an interview at 6.30 tomorrow evening? I'm sorry, we can't move it. Which is fair enough, depending on who yeah. you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It depends who, doesn't it? Yes, exactly. And um, some people are flexible enough to move things around. Other people aren't. Yeah. So what's the, what's, the, what's the majority of your work at the moment? Probably a combination of magazine and sleeve notes. Lots mm. of different sleeve notes and loads of reissues because reissues are such a big market. Yes. And almost every reissue these days has a, a new essay about the album and the way it was made, including hopefully you think an interview or interviews with the, the relevant people. Yeah. Uh, and that takes up a lot of time. And also magazines, Classic Rock, Prog, Metal Hammer, and Rock Candy, which is new on the market, of course. Uh, yes, of course. Yes. Now I, um, uh, yeah, cause, uh, yeah, yeah. In, in November, the my remaster purchase was Master of Puppets. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. This month, my remaster purchase has been the um, entire uh, Holy Terror catalogue, yeah. um, which was incredible. It's a five disc set, four CDs and a DVD for fifteen quid. Not bad. I mean, really, that's value for money. And it and it is and it sounds great. The live stuff hasn't been you know hasn't been taken from dodgy old tapes. It sounds wonderful. I mean, yeah, I was just over the moon with that. So I'm sort of rediscovering that that catalogue at the moment. Um, this is a great thing to do. Yeah, it is. It's wonderful. Funnily enough, I, I have a Polish neighbour who um, we we drop um, USB sticks through each other's letterbox <laughs> with stuff on. He lives directly opposite. We just we just don't. and um, I, um, I I dinked um, the remaster of Master of Puppets and the Holy Terror stuff onto his, into his room. One album, Mind Wars, the Holy Terror. And I saw him yesterday. I said, "What do you think?" He goes, "Oh, it's it's a bit too heavy metal for me." But um, he said, "You know, I, yeah, it was." It was okay, and I said, "Well, you know, it's from it's from 1988." Yeah, and he was like, "What?" Yeah, 30 years. He couldn't yeah, believe yeah. it. It was absolutely just jaw on the floor. Couldn't believe. Um, but uh, but uh, and all have funnily enough, all the, the that's copious sleeve notes when they're not done by a band member. Mm. Presumably, it's um, you tend to do the bigger artists. Well, of course, you also got to remember you're talking about reissues from the 80s, and the 70s. Can the artists really? remember that much detail about it these days yeah some do and a lot of sort of um, well I'll give you an example I'm, I'm writing the sleep notes for well you can't even call it the reissue it's the first time that the John Cotton Diesel album was coming out it was recorded at the beginning of the 90s and never got released right but I talked to John a couple of days ago about um, well, what made you because they did record it in Sweden so what made you do it there so, I don't remember <laughs> that sort of thing happened. brilliant which is understandable because talking about albums recorded 
decades ago. So why the hell should everyone remember every single detail of what went on? Yeah. This is a particular reason for them to recall it. It sticks in the mind. But that, that almost becomes investigative journalism mm. because presumably then you're then you, you, you are then tasked with right, can I find somebody who does remember yes. why, yeah. why this happened? Of course, yeah. Absolutely. And eventually I mean that's the mundane thing that they ended up uh, as a Swedish label who wanted to release the album. That's why they recorded in Sweden. Makes very, very yeah. It wasn't any mystery particularly, but I'm, I'm, that's the point. And that's when, when musicians do autobiographies, I get very sceptical about how good is your memory about those days? Really? Yeah. Yeah, well, it's funny, it's funny you're going to say that, because I was just about to say, it's the memory can play tricks on you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, one trick is you can't remember. Uh, yeah, and another trick the, is you don't want to remember, or you remember things in a certain way, even though it's not the truth, just the way you choose to remember it. Yeah, but, uh, but, you can, but you can also get memories mixed up. You think that yes. so and so happened at that time, and yeah. no, that was on a different tour. Yeah, you know, Absolutely. yes, it was the same country, but it was a different tour, and yeah. I don't know if you read Pete Way's autobiography, which came out about two or three months ago, which is a really great read. But one of the things that, um, and I assume it was the, the guy who wrote it with him rather than Peter himself did was to get other people who were around at the time of certain stories to give their version yeah which made it interesting at certain points because you actually do have Michael Schenkel or Eddie Clark talking about particular moments that Pete recalls in a certain way and they recall in a different way so you've actually got the, the variations in the now, book now that I'm interested in because as soon as you said if you've read certain and, and I um, I've read a few and I just get tired of lots of fun, lots of fun, lots of fun, lots of drugs, lots of fun, lots of drugs. Yes, stop all that, nearly died, got clean, here we go. I mean, the classic example would be um, Head, the guitarist from Korn, whose book is entitled How I Left Korn, Quit Drugs and Found God. And my review of that book is, it is a great read until he leaves Corn, quits drugs and finds God <laughs> and, uh, when the clue is in the title you may as well yeah, just yeah, chuck well, it in exactly, the bin exactly. the, the minute the fun starts I, mean, I thought Sebastian Barth's book was boring dull wrote wasted time yes she took loads of drugs yes she shared loads of women so what yeah. after chapter 3 when he goes on yes I took a lot more drugs and yes I shared a lot more women is boring have you got anything else of interest to say why didn't you talk about things such as your um confrontation with John Bon Jovi, what really happened. The sort of stuff that people would like to read about rather than talking about things that are boring. And it's the autobiography that kind of autobiography, what annoys me about that is like it's it's self serving. Yes. It's just grandiose ego oh, yeah. on the rampage. Absolutely. And 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 that's where an editor needs to come in as well and say, look, you know, this this the, you, you, but just reading all this is, is, is not particularly interesting, yeah, you know. Um, it just became a, a chore to finish it. David D. Ross book was as, as bad. That was going back quite a, a while now. Because it was just a, a moan. It was moaning all the time. It was like, shut up. Yeah. And Slash's book was dull and boring and lifeless. Mm. The most astonishing thing was Eric Clapton's, which you would have thought, given everything he's been through, could be an unbelievable read. Yeah. If he came across as matter of fact and a bit dull. Well, I have to say, I have to say, two autobiographies spring to mind. Um, four, actually. Max's book is good. Um, John McIver did a good job on that. Um, <clears throat> I enjoyed Scott Ian's book. 
Um, I enjoy Dave Mustaine's book. You know, at least yeah, he's got something to say. Yeah, oh yeah, Mustaine. And he'll stick by it. Yeah, you know, whether or not he's got both feet in his mouth at the same time or not, it's, it, yeah. it, 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 you know, it's compared. So, I mean, you know, some of Mustaine's interviews, some of his, re- it, it's car crash stuff. Do you know what I mean? You're oh, reading yeah. it and you're just thinking, I shouldn't be reading this. Yeah. You, just, you, you can't not yeah, read absolutely it. Should, absolutely true. But, um, but I, I found, I must admit, and I, I you know, I'll, I'll be hauled over the coals, but um, Lemmy's autobiography, I found just, uh, yeah, just self-serving. I really yeah, didn't. I, I just found like, you know, I, I come off stage and I just, I want to be in the arms of a good woman within 15 minutes and out the venue within 20 minutes. And but and, and it was just kind of like, right, I, I thought this was going to be interesting, but it's it just a long long exercise in, yeah, um, you know, the, I went to the doctors and he said, don't don't stop taking speed, he'll die. No, he didn't say that. Yeah, yeah, well, this is where you, you drift into that blurred line between reality and myth. And it, seemed to, and it seemed to be there to just complement yeah. the legend and have nothing to do exactly. with reality. The legend becomes fact, think the legend, yes, we all know about that. But uh, I think if you're going to write an autobiography, it's got to be more than just augment the legend. Yes. Bruce Dickinson's book's very good. Ah, right, okay, well, uh, <laughs> yes, had a uh, run-in with Bruce recently. Recently? Yes. Oh, free tell. Um, he, uh, yeah, uh, apologies everyone on the podcast, I said I wouldn't say who it was. Um, uh, I, I met him in a pub, mm. and um, he... Um, I, I was, I, I didn't know, I thought, what should I do? Should I go and I thought, look, just go over, say hello, be respectful. Went over, I said, hi, Bruce. Um, he was on his own at a table with a beer. I just went, hi, Bruce, just wanted to say, you know, um, loved your music um, all my life. Singing about myself, and big influence, you know, thanks for the music. And um, just stared at me, stared right through me just made me feel uncomfortable didn't say a word not a word just sat there staring at me to the point where I was uncomfortable and I was a little bit lost for words which I never am no no you're <laughs> so, not no. So, so I kind of went um, uh, uh, so uh, are you uh, are you from around here do you live locally why are you asking that would you want to know that for um, I, I said right okay you clearly want to be left alone yeah. I will I'll just I'll, you know um, I'll leave you to it. Yes, you do that. And it was a thoroughly uncomfortable, horrible experience. Now I'm going to look the other side because um, I can see what you're saying. But you can imagine for someone, Bruce or whoever, being in a private situation, and suddenly got a total stranger coming, yeah. up, wanting to start a conversation. And I think had he actually sort of he'd start up there, if someone said, "I love what you do," you can hear him and say, "Thank you." I'm, Yes. Really nice of you. Thank you. Um, nice to meet you. And make it almost obvious. Goodbye. Well, the, th- the thing is, the thing is, but with that, in that scenario, he could have got rid of me quicker just by saying, "Thank you very much. Yes. That's lovely to hear." Yeah. I don't mean to be rude, but yes. I just want to sit here with a beer. I've had a hard exactly. day, and I would have said, "No, you're right. Not you're a problem, right. Bruce. You're right. See you later." But it always astonishes me that. People who are total strangers to someone else feel the need to go out and interrupt them in a private situation. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm not having a go at you. No, 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 I know. <laughs> Let's take this outside, Malcolm. <laughs> which is, um, I've, you know, it happens. But you're in a private situation and someone will come up and wants to have a photo taken with you, wants to have an autograph, wants to have a chat. You think, ah, it's not 
in public, but I suppose the other way of looking at it is, if you're a public figure, such as Bruce, there you go. You have to expect it. I'm sure Bruce has had it happen to him a lot. Now it could be you were the thirteenth person to do it on that night out when he went to the quiet bit in his local, mm-hmm. uh, and he just got sick and tired of it. I've had enough of this. I just want to sit here quietly with the beer and have no one disturb me. And my and my response to that is comes with the territory. Yeah, there is that as well. It's, you know, it's exciting looking at it. You're yeah, right. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But you know, hey, that's that's. But to that end, I can't. I no interest in that book at all. No, because okay. I'm yeah. maybe. Maybe when I've you know mellowed after the experience a little bit, I might I might pick it up on paper. Must be right now. I do remember some. This is going back about thirty years. Someone who worked on the periphery of Kerrang at the time, and she was a complete Robert Plant fan. And she met Plant in a situation and said, to her, "I just wanted to say I love you. I've always been in love with you." And he just looked at her, "You and a million other women, darling." And you think that's a horrible thing to say, but. <laughs> It depends on the situation. Where maybe he's just got sick and tired of hearing it, and yeah. all these people are saying these stupid things. However, there is the other thing about yeah, just be polite and say very nice of you to say so. And there's, there's no need. There's no need yeah. to crush someone's dreams. There's no, no I, need I agree to. With you. And I think that no. there is definitely a big point in saying just be polite to someone and say thank you. The thing is, exactly, you can be polite and get rid of people in one minute. Yeah, you know. Exactly. Because if somebody is, if somebody is that uh, impressed, so, so that willing to, to tell you something like that, then you have all the power. Mm. You can make this last thirty seconds or thirty minutes. Yeah. It's up yeah. to you, and, and and to misuse that power by yeah, you know, just being rude is is yeah. No, you're, it's, you're it's, right. It's, and, it's, I, I, I and somebody that deep into their career, but then again, they're still human. <laughs> Honestly, we could. We could, we could, yeah. Anyway, um, the last time we met, of course, was this time last year where we were talking about Hardwired. Yeah, um, that's right. Which, uh, which hasn't improved with time. I agree with you. It hasn't. <coughs> no, not at all. I'm disappointed in it, I have to say. Good luck to him. I'm, yeah. I'm pleased that Metallica are out there. I'm breaking records. Yeah, the O2. season with the O2. Yeah. I wish I hadn't, but I did. Oh, really? Um, Everybody was raving about it. Um, visually stunning. Ah. A visually stunning set, but no rapport between the band members because certain the round and it's yeah. all like Lars is antic and jumping up and down, which used to be mildly amusing and um, very annoying. Yes. Very annoying. Um, what summed it up for me was Robert Sheehan, they had cues of the stage showing different images, and Robert Sheehan's bass solo was anesthesia pulling teeth. Cliff Burton's bass solo. Yeah. Which is fair enough. Uh, and had images of Cliff on the cues. It came across as fake. Right. Rather than the emotional moment it should have been. It just looked like it was cold and. A bit calculated. And calculated. James Hetfield talks to the audience like a politician trying to get elected talking to would-be voters. Wow. Wow. At one point, he picked out a woman in the crowd who was pregnant and dedicated a song to her unborn child. And think, That's embarrassing. That's <laughs> totally and utterly embarrassing. And I'm sorry, but they played the old stuff as if they didn't care about it. Shrug of the shoulders. New stuff didn't come across any better than it did on record for me. Right. Of course, they broke the house record of the O2 two nights running. Yeah. There were 22,000, and they're packing everywhere. So clearly, I'm in the minority, and fair enough. And um, they went down an absolute storm. 
Yeah. Uh, but for me, I never want to see him again. So it's yeah. not what it is. I know it can't be what it was. How can it be? But somehow they lost something. Yeah. Lost something I feel is important and crucial. Yeah. And that's my, that was my take on it. But you can't argue with the fact that they're packing in arenas and stadiums everywhere. And they're huge. Yeah. What do you yeah. think of it? Did you go to I, I, it? Uh, do you know what? I thought I would have gone if I'd liked Hardwired mm. even a little bit more than I do but I thought I know what's going to happen I mean I've seen them play, play those songs umpteen times and they're going to play the new stuff and I'm going to be bored and, yeah. and I thought I'm not paying I'm not paying 100 quid to go and be bored with the new stuff and see the old stuff played again and worse because Lars let's face it is getting worse it's not getting better lack of practice equals you get worse well there, there was one point and I can't remember the song when Lars started it off and James stopped it and just said to everyone not just Lars Lars can you make your mind at what time we're doing it in <laughs> really yeah well, I suppose at least that's moved on from just turning around and spitting on it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, um, but that's, funnily enough, three disc version of the Master of Puppets remaster. Mm. Breaks your heart to hear how good Lars is on those demos, you know, there and, and on live stuff. It just breaks your heart because you think, well, see, you know, you can do it, you know. <laughs> you can. You can. Do, listen to all of your peers from those days. They're still doing it. Mm. You know, and you can convince yourself as much as you like that you know you've you've discovered groove and all of that is more important. But do you know what? What's really important, as Hetfield pointed out, being in time. Yes. You know, um, absolutely. And the other thing, you mentioned the ticket price, a hundred pounds. A lot of Metallica fans, quite understandably, moaned about the ticket price. This is ridiculous. Yeah. And then paid it. My argument is, okay, people eventually paid it. But they probably said, right, I'm paying £100 for a Metallica show. That means I can't go to this one or that one. So Metallica probably had a spin-off of affecting other bands. Yeah, that's a fair point, yeah. Well, if you think a fairly fairly sort of um, average price for a ticket is, say, £35, Mm. well, you know, that's three shows at £35. Yep. So that's, you know... One gig instead of three. Well, um, Maiden charged what sixty pounds, right? Something like that for um, with a massive stage show. And you're talking well. about massive stage show at the O2. Metallica charging a hundred pounds. Okay, massive stage show and at the O2. But I'm sorry, um, to me that was outrageous. Yeah. Uh, and well, I just think Metallica have to think very carefully about the way they sort of. Um, the ticket price. The problem is, of course, they packed everywhere at those prices, even though their fans were moaning. Mm. It comes back down to the fact it's always in the hands of the fans, and the fans say, no, we're not going. And Metallica suddenly was struggling to sell tickets. You watch those prices for. But yeah. of course they sold out. Yeah, I, I don't doubt that will become the norm. Probably be next time they tour, maybe 2018, 2019, looking at £130. Funnily enough, I wonder... And I think we, we, we sort of touched on this when we spoke last. Um, I wonder if um, 
through the net, through the never having been such a financial black hole, mm. those tickets would have been sixty quid, maybe you're seventy right, yeah. quid. Yes, you know they they are having to, you know they've won ma- they've made one major business mistake in their entire career. Yeah, but, but like Matak, but but you know when they when they go big, they go big. Oh yeah, and they swung for the fences and them. completely missed. Oh yeah, and, absolutely. And and yeah. Um, but it still comes back to the fact Sam's could have easily said I am not paying that yeah. I'm not going yeah. if enough people have done that and they were half full I think Metallica would have got the message yeah we better really think reconsider our entire pricing position the fact that they packed the places and broke the house record at those prices why should they drop them and of course what this comes back to is uh, you and I knowing nothing and them being right yeah well they are right <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. people absolutely absolutely paid the price I mean you got ticket prices of Black Country Comedian at Hammersmith Apollo in January 80 quid yeah now, I'm sorry, no disrespect, and I love Black Country Comedian. Joe Bonamassa could sell out Hamas's Apollo Museum. Glenn Hughes, where would he play in London? Islington Assembly? Maybe. Um, Jason Bonham, he'd have to be in the band, fairly well. And similarly with Derek Sherinian. And they're charging that price? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Let's see whether or not they sell out. It'd be interesting to see. Well, um, one thing I would love to get your take on is, funnily enough, you mentioned his LinkedIn Academy. Um, well, it's an assembly hall, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, well the, um, the, his LinkedIn Academy is um, is going to be playing host to a certain Ronnie James Dio. Yeah. I suspect... Well, yeah. We're, we, we, we're going to agree on this, aren't we? It's not live. I, it's, I think it's, it's a tragedy. Appalling. Well, say, the point I keep making is that a live and then you talked about this about Metallica a live show is the chemistry on stage mm-hmm. and then it's the chemistry that chemistry um, creates a chemistry with the audience yep. and Freeze it becomes back. and it becomes a two way thing yeah. well how do you have a chemistry on stage when one of the guys is dead you can't and also one of Ronnie James one of Ronnie James Dio's um, uh great skills was he was great with people he was great with audiences absolutely i mean you know that that's all gone and absolutely and i, I think just it, it, i can't believe wendy dio signed off on this i'm, I'm quite disappointed she has yes yeah. i really am and i think this is the thin end of the week. we have a fantastic yes. thing happening next year uh, um with including people like steve Vai, happy to play in the band with him saying ridiculous things like it'd be great to be back on stage with Frank again you're not on stage with him you're on stage you're on stage with a screen and you of all people having been on stage with Zappa she understands realise and appreciate being there with some image is not being on stage with him yeah and it's yeah. the same with Dio um, I, I'd like to think that Dio show isn't in Canada will be a huge flop yeah me too Somehow I doubt it, but I'd like to think that would happen. If you want to see an image of Ronnie James here, stay at home and watch a DVD. Or YouTube. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. You're going to go along to see what? To see something that will not interact with you whatsoever. <laughs> it's, I know World of the Wars here with Liam Neeson as a hologram, but that's different because it's the actual production. Yeah. He's playing a character. Totally different thing. Yeah. And, but to me, it's not live. Well, I, I, to me as well, it, it plays into it, it's playing into the um, the entitled generation 
of you know that I deserve everything and mm. I never got a chance to see Ronnie Dio so, yeah, so, 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 so you know oh it's all very well for you people who, who saw him live I never got a chance to this is my chance no, no it isn't no you're not seeing it <laughs> yeah no, absolutely yeah, yeah. and are we going to see Lemmy back on stage yeah I mean and, and um, but also Bobby Scott will be fronting ACDC again with Malcolm Young back on rhythm guitar <laughs> yeah it, it's it's frightening it's, it's a different area and era. It's certainly not live music, not at all. No. It's, at the moment, a freak show. Well, I think... I can, Technological yeah. freak show. Do you know what? Show. That is exactly... That is exactly the phrase I used to describe it. It's like a Victorian travelling curiosity. Mm, Come just, and see yeah. the bearded lady. Come yeah. and see the man who's Spider dead baby. perform live. Yeah. You know? Uh, it's yeah it's, not, it's not live music people who go along to it, well it's not just season two it's obviously there's four involved six in Europe but people who go to the show should be aware you're not seeing Ronnie James Deal on stage you're yeah. seeing a holographic projection of Ronnie live years ago so yeah. you're not interacting so when you cheer Ronnie he'll have no interaction with you he won't realise yeah. it's just well, I'm, I'm really, I'm really interested because I'm on the, I'm on the, um, I'm on the mailing list of the PR company who's handling it, mm. and I'm, I'm really tempted to send an email saying, "Will Ronnie be doing interviews?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be funny. I'd yeah. like to. Um, is there any chance of getting him on the podcast? Yeah, you know, great to see Ronnie. Yeah, right. sit down with Ronnie. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've never, I've, I've never had a chance to meet him before. Yeah. Um, so this is my chance, right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's just. I mean, it's, it's just. Yeah. When trivia acts have a place, and that's fine. Oh, the, 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 the last in line stuff and all that. That's, yeah. that's, that's great. Totally, totally fine. Yeah. But this is ridiculous. This is yeah. nonsensical. This is. All this technology is there, we should use it. Really? Yeah. So, is, are we going to see um, Rainbow Bat with Ronnie Deer at um, Download soon? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, fu- well, funnily enough, um, the technology is there. Why don't we use it? Is is the philosophy of North Korea at the moment? Yes. So I think that pretty much proves that yeah, you don't always, you shouldn't level. always use no, the no, technology. No, no. What you wish for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Use, he says drawing a ridiculous level. comparison, yeah, but you know, totally different level. Yeah. But, but yeah, 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 yeah. I can see what you're saying. It's, um, it's just not on. So, um, well, let, let's take that as a as a low point of the year. What if you? What I mean. You know, when I'm, I'm, I'm kind of doing the highlights of the year thing, and 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 by that, it, you know, I don't mean the the old oh, album of the year rubbish. Mm. I mean it could be any of the news stories and all sorts of stuff that's happened. Um, what have you? What have been some some highlights for the Amber Man was a great highlight, and Bloodstock. Those two were tremendous highlights. Really, you're, you're not that you are not the first person to say Bloodstock. No, Bloodstock was great fun. It, well, it's the metal festival, isn't it, really? Yeah, it, it is the metal festival. Although well, they've expanded it. I'm intrigued to see Mr. Bigger playing it next year. Yeah. Which is interesting. Well, it's, I mean, bearing in mind, I mean, the first time I played it was I was, I, I, I played the second stage as a, you know, doing my comedy. And um, an emperor were headlining the Saturday. Funnily yeah. enough, I, I went on stage about five minutes before they hit the stage to 50 people in the tent that held 2,000. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. That was a that was a great day at the office. Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, if you'd, said to, if you'd said to me then, or anybody there then, that, you know, Mr. Big know. will be playing the main stage in a, in a few years, they would have been... It's absolutely... It's, I'm, I'm great, good for them, because I've had yeah. Europe do it before, and Twisted Sister, both in the half front, got people... 
all they do in there, and by the end of course, both bands because they're so good at one of the other. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. Do you know, well, I, I can die happy. I saw somebody put in the um, Bloodstock forum that year. It's in my two bands of the weekend, were Twisted Sister and Acid Rain, oh, and I thought, right, I'll take that. Yes, I can, right, I'm right. quit now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not coming. It, it can't to, get any better. To be uttered in the same phrase as as a legendary from a like Dee Schneider, you just think, well, you know, I'm I'm I'm, I'm happy. I yeah, can, oh god, I, yeah, I can die happy. But there's been so many good things, so many great gigs for young bands like Bank London called Stags. Right, I really worth seeing. I think they could do something. What kind of stuff is it? It's like Clutch meets Alison Chains meets Kim's X. Whoa, which is the way I describe my fan. I think they're really exciting. Stag, Stags, S T A G S. Right, okay. Uh, well worth and, um, and and a New York band called Temps. Temps, Temps, T E M P T. Oh right. Van Halen meets Bon Jovi. Probably won't be checking them out. But uh, it's not really your thing. No, no, no. But yeah, I'm, I'm, there's people who've been listening to this who all think, right? There are so many good young bands around at the moment who deserve an opportunity to break through, and I think that's the most exciting thing. Is we're not lacking in talent. Well, that, and it's funny you should say that because I mean, you know, like it or not, we're both we're both in the inverted commas old guard. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, and and you know, the ancient guard. Or something. Yeah. All right, easy, easy. Don't, don't, right, don't yeah. lump me into yeah. that. No, 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 no. <laughs> but um, but uh, you know, I'm just saying, talking about you know, my remasters of Metallica and remasters of Holy Terror. But but and, and somebody say, oh, you're on a bit of retro trip at the moment. So, uh, I'm. My, I consider it my job. To, I'm always looking forward. Mm-hmm. I'm always looking forward. I want to know where the next big thing's coming from. I want to be blown away by the next band I've never heard of. Yep. You know, that for me is, that's meat and drink. That's what keeps me going. That's what keeps me plugged into music. It's not, it's not playing stuff that's 20 years old for the 200th time. Um, it's the next stuff. And this, and, and funnily enough, I, you know, you know, people say, oh, you know, Thrash isn't dead, and no, uh, you know... Oh, Thrash I, is not dead. You know, no, 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 that was it, no. Sorry, Thrash never died. Um, I've, I, you know, I, I still, all I play is the old stuff. All, and it's like, well, that's not, you know, in my opinion, that's not something to be proud of. You're not, you're not contributing to keeping anything alive. You know, you... We, you know, oh, there's no, there's no decent bands around now. Yes, sir. Yeah. Go looking. Well, that, that's the problem. People expect it to come to them. Hmm. And there is a slight problem in terms of so much music out there, people don't know what to look first, or to listen first. Whereas yeah. in the old days, there was a filtering system of the record labels, particularly, which allowed the bands to come through, and there was less choice, and therefore it was easier. Yeah. Now you have to really go up and, oh God, I've got 20 albums, and what do I listen to? Oh my God, I don't know what to, to yeah, listen to. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And too much, but well, well we're, we're, playing, we're playing three dates at the end of this week, and... Let's go back 25 years, whatever, since our, our last tour. Um, it, the first time round, we're going to go on tour. So we'll put an advert in Kerrang, we'll put an advert in Melhammer, we'll put an advert in Rock Sound, we'll put an advert in Metal Forces. That's Job it. done. Job done. The crowds have turned up. Yeah, yeah. The, everyone knows that the metal scene knows that, that we're on the road. Yes. You know? That's all and you need to do. Needed to do. Yeah, yeah. And now we're on the right, we're gonna go on the road. Right, okay. Where do we where do we put this? Yeah. You know. And, and you'll still get people say, I mean, I 
mean, I got a message. I got a message on our Instagram. Oh, you know, I, I didn't know you guys were playing. So, well, well, we've been posting for six months about this. What, what part of um, we put it online? Didn't you understand? But, but you can't blame people. The, the internet is a huge place. Oh, it is just massive. Yeah. Um, however much you post everywhere, there's still going to be areas you miss. Well, also you're also unfortunately, especially with things like Facebook and everything else, you are you are beholden to their algorithms. You're beholden to the yeah. well. If you really want people to see this, you're going to have to put money behind it. You know, every time. <sighs> and and yeah, being in a band now, around every corner there is somebody with a hand out. You know. And, and it, it's just it costs more to get your word out yeah and and, and you make less anyway yes so right. it's, yeah. but you know look, that's the way it is and I'm, I, you know, I'm not saying all the way I wish we could yeah, yeah right. I wish we yeah. could turn back time because we can't um, but um, uh, so, so any, any any particular albums that really stand out from this year Paradise Lost producer very very good album right that, I, that's that, that's appearing on a lot of albums of the year you really like that album a lot. Um, Enslaved's album, very, very fine. High Stars, Arch Enemy, Roger Waters. Well, now I, I'm a, I'm a big Roger Waters fan, and I, I haven't got. Well, I say that I should wash my mouth out. I still haven't got round to, to listening to it. Very good album, really. And of course, the Pink Floyd exhibition was one of the big highlights of the year as well. Right, that was just at the V&A. That was just impressive to say the least. Well, I hope they take it on tour because I think it deserves to go around the world. It's such a great exhibition. Yeah. Audio visually that represents the Floyd. And how much was that to get in and see? Uh, £22, I think it was. Right. To be utterly blown away like that. Oh, yeah. And you spent two and a half, three hours there and you still could spend your time. Yeah. So it's very much value for money. Well, it costs you 15 quid to go and watch a film. Yeah. And this is just fantastic. It's so much to see and hear. Yeah. And it's brilliant. So basically, if it does go on tour, go and see it. Absolutely. Absolutely go and see it. It's well worth it. And, and so, it, it, presumably, I, mean, I haven't seen it, so it, it, it covers the, the Sid Barrett days, right? Oh, yeah. Through the splits and everything else. I mean, firstly, once Roger Waters has left, I lost a bit of interest in the exhibition. But to me, after he left, it was never quite the same. I'm exactly the same. But even so, there's still a lot of great stuff there. Uh, post waters, but they, they do cover the Barrett years very well as well. Right, yeah, I, I must admit, I'm a more a fan of Waters' um, solo stuff after he left Floyd than I am the Floyd stuff Me too. after he left. Yes, Me too. And I think it'll be great to see him in a high part next year. That will be a great show. Yes, that will be because there's one thing that guy can do it's put on a show. Oh, he knows how to do it. Absolutely. He will deliver a performance. Uh, and that was definitely a big highlight of this year. But uh, there have been so many good albums. Except some. Excellent. Yeah, no, I've heard that. Very I've heard good albums. But they've been making good albums for uh, several years now. Yeah. But everyone still wants balls to the wall, metal heart, wrestlers and wild. It's understandable. But the new stuff is very good. And uh, and, and produced by uh, your friend of mine, Andy Sneak. Sneak. Indeed. Yes. I, I love the fact that Andy Sneak is a fan of Accepter. He knows what they can do. But won't accept any nonsense from them. So, yes, no pun intended. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> so, so he won't actually sort of sit there and say, yeah, that was good. He'll say, no, that wasn't good enough. You can do better. Do it again. 
Yes. yes. He'll push them. And the new Saxon album he's produced, again, the same thing. You can tell he's gone in there with the uh, attitude of, uh, I love what you do. I know what you're capable of. I'm not going to accept 90%. Yes. 100% on you. Yes. And if I don't get it, I'm going to make you do it again. Yeah. Which is great. Yes. Yeah. And Deep Purple, Infinite, their album this year was another real surprise. Excellent record. And, and funnily enough, you said about Andy, I, um, uh, when we were, uh, I was looking to mix our new single, we thought we weren't sure we were going to be able to do it where, we, where we, we'd recorded it. And I called him up and said, look, mate, I'm, I need a favour. Is there any chance you could mix this single? And he said, look, I would, I, it goes without saying, no problem, I'd help you out. He said, but I am absolutely back-to-back here. I'm, I'm going to go away and do a, a gig with hell. I can't even make one rehearsal for it. Um, and I'm in the studio, wall-to-wall, with, with Saxon, back-to-back with Judas Priest. I know, I know. He's I was just like, Priest, really? At the same time, he's producing Saxon. Yeah. Simultaneously, he's a bloody hell. That's like, really well, you turn around to them and say that they're going to have to start a couple of days late because you're mixing the new Acid Rain single, yeah. all right? Yeah. And if they, if they say who, yeah. tell them to pick up butter off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I thought, I just said to him, mate, I'll take that, okay? That, that's He's the best turn on. down ever. Yeah, he yeah. is in, a man in demand. Yeah. And, and rightly. The thing is, he's a great fan. He loves Chris, loves Saxon, loves Accept, but he's not a great fan to the point where he'll just do a hagiography, as it were, or yeah. just basically go along with what they want. He'll yeah. actually be prepared to say, you can do better. I know you can. Yeah, he's not just going to be a fan in the room no. and go, yeah, that's great, guys. And and he's going to push it. And, and I, we're going to come back to the same old, or I'm going to drag us back to the same old point, and in fact, we might have even said this on the last time, that is what Metallica need yes. in the studio. Absolutely. Not someone there just saying, oh, yeah, that's great. Or, oh, why don't you try this? Somebody in there saying, no, I'm in charge. Yeah. And it's done when I say it's done. Yeah. And it's not done because it's not good enough. So go away and do it again. Yeah. And Bob Edson did that with Purple. Clearly did it. Edson produced the last two Purple albums and done a great job. Because I wish you'd been involved with them years ago. Yeah. Take these bands out of their comfort zones and put them in a place where, yes, they feel... But but the band's got to want to do that. The band's got to be prepared to say, right, OK, we're we're used to having control and we're going to have to give up that control. Well, listen to you. Yes. That's why you're here. And if we're not prepared to listen to you, why have we got you? Yeah. But we're losing money, we're not just going and enjoy ourselves, save money. But that's supporting Metallica. I think Andy Sneap would be a great choice for Metallica, but he, he would not accept what it seems Metallica are prepared to accept these days. He would actually say those songs are not good enough. Yeah. That take is not good enough. I tell you what, I, I, if we'd have Andy Sneap doing Hardwired, you know what that'd be? That would be the best 10 track album that Metallica had done since Master of I think you're right. Because half of that stuff would be, no, not good enough, and it's not going to be good enough. Let's stop working on this. I think Because none of those riffs are up to snuff. No. Lars, what are you doing? Do it again. You know, and and, and the the Bob Rock room. You know, when when he's sat there in that documentary in the Black Album, and he stops recording and just turns around to Kurt and says, that's it, is it? That's, That's the solo, is it? Guitarist Hall of Fame solo? No. That's go away and come back with something that's good enough to record. Yeah, that's the point. That these producers push because it's a 
That's what I'm here for. I'm here to get the best out of you and not just to accept second best. Well, it's also it's also an ego thing. It's a producer going in there and saying, oh, no, 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 my name's on this album as well, remember? Yeah. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not accepting that because you think it's good enough. If I say it's not good enough, my name's on the back of the album, yeah. right next to yours, yeah. and people have an expectation of what I deliver. About. Yeah, and you know it's not good enough. And I, I'm, what I'm saying is you know already. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can go too far the Mark Lang approach is to pretty much take over the album. Yes. Although, in terms of commerciality, it worked enormously well for bands like Death Level and Forum and others. But um, Andy Sneed, Bob Rock, those are people, you hire them for one reason, to listen to what they say. Because by listening to what they say, they're reflecting what you really know. Yeah. And I'm sure, deep down, Lars and James especially know that hard work to self-destruct could have been better. Yeah, and should have been shorter. Should have been shorter, exactly. Yeah. Totally agree with you. But it seems to have got rave reviews from most people and good sales, so they're probably saying, okay. <laughs> but, the, but again, what we come back to is um, the uh, adjusting the levels. You know, it, it's, it, people are raving about it because Metallica ain't set the bar that high. Yeah, you're right. So something like that comes out and they go, oh my, oh, this is wonderful. Oh, it's great. Oh, it, is it though? Is it, you know, is it, is it really? I mean, put it up against Master Pockets, the Black Album, Ride the Lightning. Put it up against some of the load stuff. It doesn't, it, it doesn't, and, and to me, a lot of it sounds like it could have been on the, the, the load era Metallica. Yeah. Ploddy, mid pace. Not really, not really good enough. Yeah, uh, and I, I think they know it's not good enough. They're doing about five or six songs on that album on this tour. Let's see how many they do on the next tour. Absolutely, because it's rather intriguing. The live set has five or six new songs. Everything else is from the black album or before. So what happened to Shanga? What happened to Lowe? What happened to Rilo? What happened to Death Magnetic? All these was, was there any was there any Death Magnetic, Death Magnetic no. stuff in the set? No, none. Not one. Not one. Wow. That's the point. They're doing five or six new songs then they're jumping back to Black Hair and earlier and missing out that whole chunk which clearly they know isn't good enough and nobody wants well finally Hatfield's come out actually finally come out and said not it wasn't my thing no, I wasn't really into we it and, and, and yes I missed Cliff because Cliff would have stood by me and said yeah I'm not keen on this either we ain't doing this well yeah, yeah. different interpretation that Cliff may or may not have done who knows yes yeah. uh, would Cliff have been happy with Injustice for all well uh, uh, you'd have been able to hear his face that's for sure oh yeah that's true um, but, um, but yeah I, I think um, that is uh, that is quite surprising there was no death I, I, I didn't Real. I thought. No. I thought at least something no. would make it in there. So basically, so we're promoting the new album. Fair enough. And then we're going to do everything we want, which is basically nothing from the last four or five albums. Yes. So yeah. we're ignoring all those albums. We'll go back to um, the Black Album and the Eighties. Yeah. And that's what people want. And let's see how many hardwired songs are under set for the next tour. Yeah. My guess is none. Well, I've 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 asked a few people if they're still playing it. 
a year later uh, some are some aren't um, some who were raving about it at the time now say well I play disc one mm. you know and it's like yeah right, okay so yeah, that's yeah, yeah after time I think it's I think it's one of those things that you go back and you think you know I gave this four or five when it came out and you go back and you go yeah it's two and a half it's a three at best yeah it's not as good as I thought it was at the time yeah. I think Metallica's name and the fact that people have so much affection for them automatically means people start off by saying I am going to like it oh yeah, yeah. There is, um, to me Iron Maiden are the most loved metal band ever but Metallica I'm not far behind them oh no not at all but Metallica Maiden are still number one I think they're still the most loved band well for me even ahead of self well, well for me putting out a double album that deep into your career and it being for me one of the best things they've done in their entire career mm. I just think that is absolutely phenomenal to deliver oh, that kind of quality of product that deep into a career shows a dedication and a love for the music that has just never gone away and I, and I think you know it, 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 for me the, the Metallica sound is yeah that there, there, there isn't that um, that love there for thrash if you like no, 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 you know you know and Lars is always at pains to chuck in his you know Arctic Monkeys influences and, and you know and, and all the rest of it and you just think yeah well yeah they ain't got, they ain't got great drumming on their albums either so um, you know <laughs> that's why I like it yeah, yeah exactly that explains it well, like, look, I, I seem to bra- always drag our conversations back, back to um, to Metallica um, but um, but as we were saying um, the old guard brought some some great albums out this year um, but also new stuff coming through exactly is um, any any cracking debut albums out there that we should be there have been a few this year have been pretty good yeah. Supersonic Blues Machine comes to mind right okay so, it's not really a, it's first time we've really had a proper release in the UK and Tyler Branch and the Shakedown both blues oriented bands blues rock oriented really right. really good but again on the metal front um, there have been some interesting moments certainly yeah. and we're still getting some really good albums coming through from young bands and that will carry on happening I think yeah yeah. and one album to look up no stem to it so that, um, one album to look out for in February next year is a new album from the Temperance Movement which is sensational the Temperance oh the Temperance Movement they've been around for a while yeah got a couple of albums already good albums this one good grief is taking it to a new level really it is tremendous what label is that it's coming out on earache would you believe really yes. right okay who branched out and developed from being very much a strict thrash hardcore extreme metal label to taking in so much other stuff yeah obviously it had rival songs yeah and this is another move in that direction and really good right well worth checking out I think next year is going to be exciting I'm looking forward to the wedding <laughs> even though it's not far off I know yeah. I'm sure it's got to look forward to but I am looking forward to it oh, well, like, and, and yeah I mean I was I was trying to think what albums I'm looking forward to well hopefully there'll be a new Voivod album and that oh, yes, it should be that was always worthwhile yeah absolutely yeah. it's lovely to see Voivod getting an award at the Prog Awards yes and uh, Michelle always saying it's the first time I've ever been given an award <laughs> wow and I and I, and I it, it, the exact right award because 
for me, I've always I've always referred to them as the for me they're the Pink Floyd of thrash. Absolutely, they are removed from everybody else. Yes, they do their thing. You and when I say you, I mean you, the listener, have uh, some of your favourite bands are in, uh, are influenced by them, and you yeah. and you have no idea absolutely the reach that they've had. No, uh, amazing band who continue to to break barriers by doing things their own way. Yeah, and uh, it was lovely to see them getting the acknowledgement, and it's lovely to see them being blown away. But wow, we can't believe someone's actually given us an award. Yeah, yeah, that, that is awesome. And it, it's lovely. So, you, do you do a lot of work on on the program? Yeah, um, I'm actually right. Okay, right. Okay. Well, look, um, we could talk for hours. I need to ask you some uh, questions for my Patreon part of the podcast. So, Malcolm, as always, an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. A pleasure. Pleasure. Right. Um, and it is always a pleasure to catch up with Malcolm. So there you go. Um, that's it. That's the end. Unless, of course, you're a Patreon subscriber, in which case there's more. Um, but for now, that is the end of 2017 from Talking Bollocks from me, your host, Howard H. Smith. And what a year it's been. We have had a ton of cool interviews. I've met a ton of people. Um, when I met Max, I was sat on the tour bus the other night chatting to Max Cavaliera. Um, last night I was sat in the Hilton chat talking to chatting to Fish, one of my all-time heroes. Um, I mean, this wouldn't be possible without without the podcast and without you bollockers. Um, because if you weren't out there, I wouldn't be able to get these these interviews. So it really is a team effort. Um, so please do let as many people know as possible that. Um, this is happening. You can give a Patreon subscription as a gift. Fucking hell, I'm trying everything, aren't I? Um, but um, look, I, I can't thank you enough. Uh, honestly, we, you know, I've had some really cool experiences and you guys have got to listen to my really cool experiences, which is also really cool. Have I said really cool enough? Um, thank you so much. Thank you for listening. Thanks for keeping this going. I'm going to keep doing it as long as you guys are going to keep listening. It's been a cool 2017. Let's hope we all have a really, really good 2018. We saw Dan from from um, uh, chemotherapy all the way through to being fit enough to tour with the band, tour with uh, Reanimator and us. It's it, you know, it's 2018. Let's make it a year to remember all of us. Thank you once again. I really, really do appreciate it. Every single one of you bollockers are cool as hell. You really are. You Patreon guys, you're even cooler. So thank you. Thank you to all of you. I really appreciate it. Hope you've enjoyed the podcast. Hope you've had a good Christmas. And um, let's have 20... Let's, let's kick the arse out of 2018, eh? Come on, have it! <laughs>